right, smile you barbarians and welcome to the film cafeteria. Today we're talking horror movies. I'm Scott. And I'm Brittany. And uh, we have four horror movies we're bringing to you today. Yes, some old, some new, a little bit of everything. Yep. So first up we got... We have Smile, which is from this year, 2022. And then we're going to follow that up with the kind of Korean horror extravaganza from 2010, I Saw the Devil. And thirdly, we have Barbarian, which is also from this year. And then we're going to finish it out with 2006's home invasion uh, thriller, Them. Yeah. And Should be fun. Yeah. It's going to be a uh, wild and uh, uh, terrifying time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we're going to finish it out with a throwback recommendation, which will remain a very uh, closely guarded secret until oh. the very end. Oh. <laughs> I'm intrigued now. <laughs> so... Here we go. Uh, hope you all enjoy, and um, we will catch back up with you guys at the end. Okay, so up first on our docket of four films to talk about is Smile from 2022. Synopsis is a young therapist working at an emergency psychiatric facility is confronted with an inescapable entity after bearing witness to a traumatic event involving a patient. So it's uh, uh, starting kind of with our yes. lowest, what we didn't really care for and going into the things that we did like about the movie. Like how did, how did you feel about the movie overall? And I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, <laughs> the ending was a little weird. Yeah. They have this tone to it where it's this mother-like, hovering, malicious kind of presence to it. Yeah. Where she had to deal with her trauma. Yeah. You know, she had to go back into her original childhood home and, like, face her, her mother's, like, Entity yeah. and all this stuff that I guess happened when she was a child. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I would like to know what the psychology of that is. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's very kind of like textbook, kind of AP psych Freudian yes. stuff, you know, which is, it, it, it's, it, I get what he was going for. The director is Parker Finn. This was like kind of a, an expansion on a short film that he made, an 11 minute short film that he made with, uh, called uh, Laura Hasn't Slept. Okay. And it's a it was a short film that starred Caitlin Stacy, who was the the first patient. Yes. Who's also like the face of the poster. And uh, uh, like a favorite actor of ours, Lou Temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, great character actor who's in like the Rob Zombie movies and, and uh, a few Tony Scott movies and stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know. That was <laughs> yeah. Definitely, I. I love the opening of this movie. Mm-hmm. I think the opening of the, the, the movie, like the first, the kind of prologue that leads us into the opening credits is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. But then I kind of kept feeling like the movie just kind of kept slipping away more and more and more. And just like, I read a few, you know, reviews that kind of mentioned that they felt like the movie was kind of padded out. Mm-hmm. And I definitely felt that throughout the movie. Like there yeah. was just a lot of kind of, like, I wouldn't really say unnecessary padding because you have to tell your story. Exactly, yeah. But I, I would definitely say that there were there were certain things, and in, in, in particular key characters, that I didn't really feel 
worked very well in the movie. And which one was that? So, well, <laughs> you can't uh, remember which one. Or, you already know. <laughs> or was there more than one? No, it was I, just the... Well, I maybe, was going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the I didn't really... I didn't buy the Trevor, her boyfriend. Oh, okay. I didn't buy him at all. I, um... It was something about the lack of loyalty there for me. Yeah. Like, how do you have someone you're about to marry, you're living with, right? Yeah. But the moment you say, like, I've been seeing stuff or something's after me, like, he just takes this step back. It was yeah. so distant to me. Yeah. And he takes the step back, like, now I'm a little suspicious of you and I'm afraid of you. And, <laughs> and I'm like, how can you marry someone that's not with you to the end? <laughs> it reminds me of that same dynamic yeah. from What Lies Beneath. Yeah, Do you remember home. when we recently yeah. watched that? Yeah. Even though Harrison or Ford, good movie. I don't know yeah, film, yeah, great good film, movie. yeah, good movie. Um, but Harrison Ford's character, yeah, he supports his wife, even though he thought she was crazy sometimes. Remember when Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer character kept saying, yeah, that you know she was seeing things and yeah. someone's in the house, and he just thought she was like going crazy, yeah. But at the same time, there was still a chemistry there, like a force where he was he was still pulling her in yeah. as her husband. Yeah. It was still like a, a, it still was a support there. But I didn't feel that from yeah him. I, that from Trevor, I guess that's the character's yeah. name for um, Rose's fiance. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really feel that same love and like <laughs> no. support there. No, definitely not. Especially, it was just fear. It was just fear. He yeah, was, and I felt like he was afraid of her from the moment that he first entered the scene when she dropped a glass. Yeah, like that's kind of how I felt about. <laughs> their dynamic i just so what are you trying to say so fragile maybe (laughs) that's a good point i didn't really think about that but yeah probably he was a little fragile it was i mean (laughs) he broke really easily so i guess he he did and like to your point like that was the thing that i i love about that relation is that like you know even when you're watching what lies beneath and harrison ford kind of throughout that story he's kind of like sort of making fun of Michelle Pfeiffer a little bit. Yeah. You know, even like, especially when they're out at that, that dinner party and it's like them and the other couple and they're on that little double date and he's like, oh yeah, she's seeing ghosts around the house. And yeah. you're like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really right? awkward. You felt that, right? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I still felt this. We're also an hour into the movie yes. by the time we get to that. Yes. So like, But you, I would still feel the support. You remember he? There was times where he was even like, "But I'm here for you," and he would yeah. pull her in. Yeah. Like I still love you. You're a little crazy right now. Yeah. But I still love you anyway. Yeah. I did not feel that kind of like love and support for Rose's character with her fiance. He's no. just, he's just, he was very distant for me. I was he just was. like, I don't understand it, how you guys are getting married. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't get that. I was kind of like, how I, did you meet? <laughs> that was my big question that I actually had at a certain point in the movie. It was specifically when, because, you know, one of the characters that I did not think, uh, well, that, that I thought really worked in, in a really positive way was um, uh, the sister. Yes. And I, I liked the sister a lot, and I liked the silly dynamic that was there with her and her husband, mm-hmm. uh, the brother-in-law. And... The fact that, you know, we go over to them, it's kind of, it's a very straightforward kind of um, prodding and poking fun at kind of hipster couples, you know, contemporary hipster couples. 
Um, or at least that's how I took it. Maybe yeah. it, maybe it was a very uh, a supportive view of them. I don't know, but yeah. like I, from the director's perspective. But for me, it was a, a very like hilarious kind of prodding and poking fun at that kind yeah. of you know couple that we see these days. Yeah. And the thing that I really loved about that was it was a really solid juxtaposition against you know like the fact that she's fighting an old evil. Yes. And that's what I really liked was the entire juxtaposition of something that is a, a very modern and healthy way mm-hmm. to deal with, you know, uh, uh, trauma by and large, you know, that her sister kind of was like, I've accepted it mm-hmm. and I've moved on and I'm trying to have a life that was the life that I deserved as a kid that yeah. I didn't get to have. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the entire idea that Rose is instead facing uh, through this entity essentially like a very old, very ancient evil that is like the trauma that just kind of pushes you down and holds you down and defines every aspect of you. And I, I like that juxtaposition. Yes, because of, that also makes me wonder too, because do you remember when she goes back to her sister's house to try to explain to her what's been going on with yeah. her? And she has and that's all specifically the thing I'm, seeing, yes, I'm thinking about. Yeah, because yeah. she has all, all the files in her hand. Yeah. And she starts to start that conversation with her sister, like, you left me. Yeah. And her sister was like, but you didn't even have to deal with even half of what I dealt with because I was older. So I saw the brunt end of everything. But then it makes you wonder how much her sister did take in or how much she did have to really deal with her mom because Rose was the one with the trauma, right? That's why the thing was able to kind of like latch onto her. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes me wonder. Yeah. And that, that was, that was like really, really fascinating. The, the whole entire idea that, you know, it's like you, you have somebody with a, and it makes it, I guess maybe like it's one of those things that you kind of also wonder about as well, because I can't, you know, having only seen it once, I can't remember if they really actually explained this. Maybe you remember was everybody who was involved with that had did, did each person who was involved with the the curse uh-huh. have a prior traumatic event in their life outside of just seeing the person kill themselves? I'm assuming so. The reason why I say that because you remember the professor that killed himself in front of actually yeah. the. What's her name? Stacy? Yeah, Stacy's character. Yeah, her yeah. character. You remember that's how she ended up getting the entity latching onto her because that professor killed himself in front of her. Yeah. She was a college student and she was in his class. Yeah. And that, you remember the wife, when Rose's character went and visited yeah. his wife, she said his brother died. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, okay. So that lets me know, yes, then to some degree, each person has some type of trauma that they never dealt with or never let go, and that's what that thing latched on to. So that makes me very curious then from a plot perspective. How did how did it know who to go after? Like, how did it know who had Maybe what in their fear. past life? Like, 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 not in past life, but how did it know what you have in your past? I don't know. I feel like it's that's like, a plot hole. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a fear. I mean, can yeah. you tell by what somebody I, acts sometimes? The Whoa, I, they may, I mean, yeah. you may can't pinpoint things exactly, but sometimes you can tell when somebody's been through something, and uh, maybe that thing 
could sense could someone, sense yeah, could sense yeah, the trauma and like fear that that person, fear. yes, that it never like let go of it. Okay, I'll I'll take it. And yeah, I, just, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I fully buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like for me, you know, kind of the, the the other thing with it, with kind of that that early point of the film, that or that that kind of midpoint of the film rather that I had kind of a hard time with is it. it it felt like it sort of lost its way yeah. at a certain point. Like it was really trying to figure out about halfway through the movie. It was like, okay, we got to deal with the lore yeah. of all of this. And I, it, it, it's, it's like, I felt like the, the movie is so playful mm-hmm. and that very kind of like De Palma esque, you know, thinking about his early movies, like sisters and, and, uh, dress to kill or even to a degree like phantom of the paradise and, and even like um he mentioned rosemary's baby is a huge influence on this movie mm-hmm. rosemary's baby is such a like classy kind of handsome movie i saw a lot more of repulsion in this movie in particular yes. like the kind of focus on like eyes on like you know the mm-hmm. human eye as like an element of the story mm-hmm. but and and how what we witness can end up defining aspects of, of well they say the eyes are the windows to your soul so they, <laughs> <laughs> probably would have been a more interesting movie if they went into that but <laughs> it's like there is a there's a wildness and a playfulness to to repulsion and to the depaul movies i felt very much like kind of seeped into parker finn's work as as a first-time filmmaker with this mm-hmm. and that was i think the one thing was that like you know in the whole opening part portion of the movie it's very kind of De Palma-esque very kind of early Polanski-ish very kind of Don Coscarelli phantasm-ish mm-hmm. in the sense that it's it's very playful it's very funny it's very kind of like you know kind of playing with you as an audience especially mm-hmm. with all those jump scares and it has great jump scares yes, in it. It did. And, and great sound design uh and, and like it's kind of playing with you as an audience member and then kind of like at the midpoint of the movie it kind of felt like they realized like oh yeah we got to work out some script stuff i am maybe that rare person in the audience where i was like i don't really care if you don't work it out <laughs> because i'm having so much fun yeah that i kind of don't care if you don't work it out i i, I kind of like it sometimes when horror movies don't necessarily really work anything out like mm-hmm. the evil dead is not necessarily worked out no, it's you know not. it's it's like there's the necronomicon mm-hmm. there's some evil <laughs> all we really care about is ash saying this is my boomstick you know yeah. or just saying like look who's <laughs> laughing now like that's yes. what we really actually care about yes. and like i i think that was one of the things is that like i i felt like at a certain point he was trying to deal too much with the script and i don't really i didn't really respond very favorably to that yeah yeah. What I will say though is like in terms of like getting into the things I did like about the movie mm-hmm. was that uh, I, th- there are some sequences in that movie that are phenomenal for oh, a first time yes. director. Yes, there is. Like absolutely, and mm-hmm. in particular, I know one sequence that we were both talking a lot about was the uh, the birthday party, mm-hmm. and when she goes to her nephew's birthday party, and the kind of craziness of him opening the gift, and we know something horrible is going to be in there. <laughs> 
And there's a dead cat. And it's the dead cat. And it's almost <laughs> like that scene out of Nightmare Before Christmas when the kid pulls out the shrunken head. Yes. Uh, What'd you get from Santa, honey? And it's like the shrunken head. It's almost <laughs> that exact same kind of thing. You know, where it's like, what did your aunt give you? And he just holds up a dead cat. And I was yes. like, this is great. And that scream. Oh, <laughs> it was so chilling. And what was even worse was once she went through the table and she fell back and all the glass was in her arms. Yeah. That scream was even more chilling because it was like, she screamed because of what was in her face, that smile, right? Yeah, yeah. But then once she realized that there was yeah. glass going through her arm, she screamed even louder. And it yeah. almost like for a second, it was like, oh man, there's something even <laughs> yeah. worse than what I just saw. And that's what I'm feeling. Yeah. Glass through my arm. Yeah. And she just screamed so loud. That was amazing. Yeah, I love that part. That was one of my favorite scenes. That was one of my favorite scenes too. Um, also, when she goes to the jail... To see the one guy who who sort of made it out, like, <laughs> yeah. kind of, he, do you ever really make it if you're in jail yeah. for killing someone? <laughs> he's the only guy that didn't kill himself, yeah, but had the curse attached to him, yeah. So, and he's in jail, <laughs> and she goes to see him to ask him how did he get rid of the curse? Which the curse is still there. I don't understand how you yeah. can get rid of a curse if you end up in prison. Yeah, that's I mean, still a curse. Yeah. that's the curse. <laughs> And so, like, she goes to ask him, and then he tells her what he did to get rid of it. And then he figures out that she's the one that actually has it, and he, like, loses his shit. Well, yeah, because she slips up. She yeah. slips up and tells him, and he's like, Because initially, why did you come she's here? telling him it was a patient of hers yes. that has it. Yes. And then she ends up slipping up and telling him that she has it. Yep. He loses his shit and like the best, yes. like I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, like get away from me yes. sequence ever. Yeah, those were amazing. And that that was a great, great sequence. And then like I said, I love the the whole opening, like, you know, from, from the moment that we get into it mm -hmm. and we meet that first patient that she has that ends up, he does, we keep thinking he's going to be somebody involved yeah in that whole entire thing and then we we realize that he really isn't yeah like he's he's just a patient of hers yeah and that guy has a great face i don't know who he is mm -hmm. but he had a, a really really great face i really liked uh the look of that actor yeah and um you know him just kind of like freaking out and and like uh then you know her having to go meet with caitlin stacy for the first time, and I love that when she met with Caitlin Stacy for the first time, she's kind of like standing in the corner, freaking out. We yeah. don't really know why. Mm -hmm. We just think this girl's crazy. Yeah. And then she's sitting there like, "No, I'm a smart person. Yeah. I, I'm going for my PhD." Blah yeah. blah blah. Because she was the one that saw the professor kill himself. That's how she got the yep. smile latched onto her. And the entire time, you know, we have the same. At least I did as an audience member. The same view that Rose probably did, which is like, I, I get it, but yeah. you're you're out of your you're, you're out of your mind. You're yeah. you're going bonkers here. And then you have kind of that wonderful moment about halfway through the movie that I did really like, where and it happened for me anyway. It, I it, I realized that when you realize that the patient, her first patient mm -hmm. that you see again, who's sitting there smiling. And she has him restrained. Mm -hmm. You realize that all that was in her head. Yep. And then you start realizing that, like, the the people that she's seeing doing this stuff aren't real. 
and that was when I realized the brilliance of Caitlin Stacy's performance that she's playing Rose in the third act of the movie, and yes. we have no idea. Because they all look very similar. And so she thought that Rose was one of the visages of the entity yeah. and not a human. Yeah, yeah. And that, to me, was a very smart move and a yeah. very, like, and, and great performance. Yeah. Because I was like, how did you match? Yeah. You know, the, like, wow, that was really smart and really cool. Like, mm-hmm. as I, I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it also. Yes, because even in the beginning, when you see the woman laying on the bed mm-hmm. with the sheets and stuff like that. Her mom. Yeah, it almost looked like a mirroring image of Rose. Yeah. Like, yeah. it reminded me of Rose. So I was like, is that Rose, like, laying there? It, it was very smartly cast because the, the Caitlin Stacy, Susie Bacon, and then the woman who played the mom. Uh-huh. All have a very similar look, so it throws you off as an audience member. I don't know if that was—I'm assuming that was intentional—but mm-hmm. it throws you off as an audience, or at least it threw me off as an audience member, because there were various points where I was looking at the the smiling visage and wondering, like, and kept thinking to myself, like, is that Rose? Is she seeing herself? Yeah. And then each time I realized, like, oh no, she's seeing this other person. Yeah. And I was like, that was really, really intelligent, yeah. smart to me. Yeah, I find it very interesting that this movie and Smile have, and uh, Barbarian both have the image of like the gigantic mother. <laughs> yeah, character. this pater- this is this maternal figure. Yeah, like just hovering over them, you know. And yeah. it's I was like, I wonder. She's also naked. Yes, in, in both things, yeah. tall and naked. Yeah, and and creepy looking, and very with, like, monstrous, very, very monstrous, monstrous <laughs> with like long scraggly hair. Yeah. It's very like interesting that that yeah. was like in the air for both of them to yes. kind of pull from simultaneously. Yeah, two completely different directors who has like this similar take on something. Like, and it was... it, it, to my knowledge, they don't know each other. Yeah, I don't think anything. so. It, it was very similar, I think, also like a few years back where we had both Hereditary and The Witch or The Vavitch as uh, <laughs> oh, <no>. Simon <laughs> Simon Mayo <laughs> likes to refer to it. Like uh, that, both of those films uh have very very similar viewpoints in their overall kind of like just design and presentation these are movies by two filmmakers that are very influenced by Bergman yeah you know more so than traditionally influenced by horror films and it felt very similar with Kreger and Parker Finn that it feels like both of them are are very influenced by kind of like the Sam Raimi yeah. Kind of like zany bonkers yeah. kind of, and also very Tarantino-ish. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, in their kind of a wonky narrative design. I know. And let's not forget the little winks that he had in the film as well. Because yeah. remember when she was holding the cup, Rose? <laughs> very De Palma-esque. Right yeah. after she the, saw... The smiley face cup. Yeah, the suicide. Then she had the smiley face cup. So and, it was so funny. And she's constantly covering it like she's hiding the yeah, smile. Yeah, but you can still see the smile like through her fingers. Like, yep. And then uh, the, there's also the Italian. There's an Italian poster in the cops' uh, apartment, which is was her ex, I think. Was he supposed to be her ex? I, I, think I thought he, that I thought he was because you remember she, when she's having that dream, which it turns out to be a dream, but you didn't know that at first. Yeah, she was talking to him and saying, "I'm sorry for pushing you away." You yeah. remember she was like. I tend to push the people that I love the most, like, and really care about away yeah. just to protect myself. So that's what made me wonder about her fiance. Cause I'm like, okay, so you're, you have a fiance and you're getting married. Does that mean you're not, you're not really in love with him? Because 
If you yeah. can like be with him and share a home, but you're telling this other man like I pushed you away and you really care about him, does that mean you don't care about your fiance? So yeah. it was a really weird kind of yeah. Thing. But like, I thought that was her ex. I could have sworn it because okay, she like, like they I, knew each other from back when. Okay, so I that was a part of the movie that I missed. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I I just thought it was really really funny how he has a poster in his apartment. Uh, it's an Italian poster for a Michael Ritchie movie that uh, Robert Redford was in. And funnily enough, there's actually a really weird little like six degrees of separation because <laughs> that that actor uh, is going to be in Robert Redford's daughter's new movie. Okay, I think it's called Roost. And um, but there's a poster for Downhill Racer, mm-hmm. it, and it's an Italian poster. And so. You, the Paramount logo, of course, Paramount also made this movie, is like in the corner of every frame that that poster yeah. is. Wink, wink. Yeah. You know, that's why I said it's all these little winks in the yeah. film. And like, it, apparently that was also like a little bit of like an in joke that they were like, oh, look, downhill racer, and she's racing downhill yeah. mentally. And like, uh, okay. <laughs> but like, I those are the things I liked about the movie, though, was that like painfully on the nose playfulness. Yes of the movie and I like it when that's done well and mm-hmm. he does that really really well and yes. um, I'm hoping whatever he does next he he maybe leans a little bit more into that and worries a little bit less about making sure that his story makes sense because yeah. I, I the stuff that I liked the most was the stuff where I didn't really care if the story made sense okay yeah I just I cared about what was happening because he's such a stylist mm-hmm. and I, I like that they're like you, know, you rarely see that with young directors right now yeah. that are like so stylistically attuned to be mm-hmm. able to do such wild stuff with the camera so much of what we're seeing right now that's coming out are very stately films movies mm-hmm. that are very intentionally you know, crafted within the frame. And instead he kind of went this other direction. The other young filmmakers are going in. He, he has this camera going everywhere and yeah. it's like wild. And it's like all over the place. And I, I like that. So I, I hope that that's kind of the area that he stays in. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens. I know that there a movie made already, like it was made on a $17 million budget. It was initially the idea was that it was not going to get a theatrical release. And then, it tested so well that they gave it one. It was supposed to get dumped on Paramount Plus. Really? So it was just supposed to go straight to streaming. Yeah. Oh wow. And okay. then uh, instead, it, it uh, ended up getting its theatrical release because of how well it tested. And so far, it's made upwards of one hundred and thirty-seven and a half million dollars. Okay, that's that's not bad. And they're already talking about doing an extended universe with it and all kinds of other stuff. So I'm curious to see what he's going to end up doing next because yeah. it, even though it, it is a like a very first film kind mm-hmm. of first film. I, it still had a lot of real, really good high points to it. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see where he's going to go next. So overall, how yes. did you feel about this one and how would you rate it? What, what was your favorite scene out of the movie? My favorite sequence? scene. Yeah. My favorite scene was definitely the, the birthday party. Yeah. Like being at her nephew's birthday party, like yeah. Rose, when she was there and she went through the glass and that scream. I'll yeah. never forget that scream, man. It's yeah. so chilling. Yeah, she was great. Susie Bacon, who's apparently Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick's daughter. Yeah. I mostly know her from Mayor of Easttown. I think you... Yeah, I I watched 13 Reasons Why, yeah. so I know her from that. Yeah. And then I know uh, uh, Caitlin Stacy is also a really big actor. She was an yeah. Australian uh, soap opera, which I don't follow Australian soaps, but an Australian soap opera called Neighbors. And I think you know her from yeah it was a cw show that came mm-hmm. on i think it was three or four seasons she was one of the lady in waiting 
to the Mary Queen of Scots. Okay. You know, because that story was about Mary Queen of Scots. So she was like a lady in waiting, one of her court ladies. So yeah, I remember her. Good foreshadowing for upcoming episodes dealing with a kind of medieval yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have a weird obsession with. I don't understand why I do, but I, I tend to have a weird obsession with those things. Uh, it, it, it's it's a cool genre that does yeah. not get talked about enough. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I would say, and how would you rate the movie overall? Hmm. I would give it a B. Yeah. Yeah, I would give it B, B minus. Yeah. You know, for me, because I would give it the B range just because there were so many parts that I was anticipating that it yeah. would make me like ball up. There yeah. was times I was like grabbing onto you yeah. because I thought it was gonna like just be a jump scare that was yeah. gonna like make me have a heart attack. Yeah. And so because of that I kept like holding on to you. So I would give it a B, but the minus would come from I didn't care for the ending. Yeah. Yeah. And there was something about the ending that that was very underwhelming for me. Yeah. It, that it, I was like, okay. It definitely um to me that ending was very like Baba Dukeish. Yeah, it in was Baba Dukeish. Right. Like, you know, Baba Duke and and uh It Follows are two movies I thought a lot about when I was watching them. Yes. I I I didn't like the ending of either of those movies. And so like, <laughs> So <laughs> what was your favorite moment? My my it, definitely the the jailhouse uh, uh, you know, freak out. That was definitely my favorite part of it. Yeah, and uh, I and also I, I definitely do commend the sound design, the the soundtrack, and the the jump scares. Oh, okay, and the yeah. way they were done because I did not feel that they were overdone the way that um, something like Paranormal Activity kind of goes into. Yeah, it was not at all. Yeah. I think I, it hit, it was right on point. Yeah, I, I, I thought that they did it well and I thought that it was, uh, uh, I've heard some people say they thought it was too jump scare heavy and I didn't really feel that I way. I either. thought that it was doled out. The, I mean, it, that's it, one of the reasons why I gave it a B. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that they, they doled out the, the jump scares in a, in a good way and I, I really liked it. But, uh, that was definitely my favorite sequence was the jailhouse freak out and, um, definitely uh uh would give this give it like a really hard c okay. honestly because the, the the midpoint of the movie i just kind of fell out of it i i wasn't into it like by the midpoint but there there were points where i would get back into it uh the other thing i would call out is something that i really loved is i, I love cal penn in the movie yeah i love seeing him show up and i i especially loved when he tore his face off oh yeah it was like one of my favorite parts of the whole entire movie was just the zaniness of him ripping his face off yeah. and just how hilarious that was. So that that's that's where I stand with it. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. So that's Smile. And uh, up next, we got uh, I Saw the Devil. So up next, we have 2010's I Saw the Devil, directed by Kim Ji-Woon. The synopsis of this movie is, After his fiancée is brutally murdered by a serial killer, a young cop engages in a blood-soaked game of cat and mouse with the killer as a means of torment and revenge. Yes. So this was actually the movie that I was the most excited to watch with you and talk about. Yes. <laughs> before we watched all of the movies. Yes. 
now that we've seen all of them, it's actually not the one I'm the most excited to talk about. That's yes. them. But yeah. <laughs> it was initially the one that I was the most excited to talk about out of all of them. Yes. Um, starting low to high, like how did how did how did you how did you feel as me? Like what what didn't you like? And then let's get into the stuff that we did like. Okay. Um. Oh, the blood and gore. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm at a point in my life yeah. where it's really hard <laughs> to watch a lot of blood and gore. Yeah, sure. So that was very like, uh, like mm-hmm. I was cringing at it. There were some points where I even became so uncomfortable that I had to like look away and just like find something to do on my phone. And I would just listen to the movie. Yeah. Because there was so much blood and gore. Yeah. Yeah. So I- that was... A low, a little low point for me it was so much blood and gore. I think that was like kind of the stop. I don't really have a low point for this movie. This is just a yeah. favorite of mine, and this is like I said the night when we watched it together. This is that was I think that was probably like the eighth or ninth time that I've seen that. Film. I mean, that was the first time I've ever seen it. Yeah. I mean, you talked about it. Yeah. That made and, me want to then watch it. So. I guess that that's interesting in and of itself to just out of sheer curiosity because I am somebody who very much absolutely adores extreme cinema like i really really like very extreme movies and i respond to them very well yeah but for me it depends on what that extreme is yeah and and, it depends so therefore you know (laughs) And, and definitely for me like you know like septic man is not on my list. Oh no. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh, please. Like that's not it. on my list. No. But like uh stuff like Takashi Miike movies like yeah. Audition, uh Ishii the Killer, in particular a movie that he made called Gozu that uh-huh. I really, really love that was almost like his ode to David Lynch. Mm-hmm. Uh of course David Lynch in and of himself, who I don't really consider to be a very extreme filmmaker. I heard mm-hmm. a conversation recently between a couple of people where they they had talked about David Lynch and they they said something that I disagreed with a little bit, but this is how I feel about a lot of extreme cinema is that I like it when the movies are earnest. I like it when they come from a place of actually having something to say and not just wanting to just like stab you in the side. Yeah. Like it's not trying to make you cringe. Yeah. That's just happen. That's just what it happens to do. It's what it's, it's what's supposed to happen. It's what's supposed to happen. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I is I'm very very curious as somebody who does not kind of go after these movies the way that I do. Like I kind of find these movies, I seek them out, then I see them. Yeah. For you, I'm very curious uh, just to talk me through like from seeing the trailer into seeing the film. How did you feel like going through it? Well, at first when I saw the trailer, I actually thought it was pretty awesome because you remember when you showed it to me, I was like, oh, because like. I like the kind of the stunt action scenes and stuff like the that. Martial arts yeah, the martial arts aspect of it. Yes, yeah, the martial arts aspect of it. I loved it. Um, and then I kind of liked the storyline as well. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as I started to watch it, I was rooting for the main character. Like he was going, it was this revenge story where he was just, he was on this straight line where he knew exactly what he was going after what happened to his fiance. Yeah. I love that part of it. And yeah. I was rooting for him. I was in there like, yeah, yeah. get this killer, get him. <laughs> and I was so like happy that he was like doing this revenge story. Yeah. But the more and more it continued, it turned into this cat and mouse game. Yeah. And after a while, I started feeling a little like, uh, 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 yeah. 
because like, he's like playing it, too much yeah with he's his playing food. too much with his food <laughs> it was definitely tom and jerry type of thing because mm. he would just keep going after the mouse he was the cat and and the killer was the mouse and mm. he just kept playing with them and then he would release them and then he would catch them again and then he would release them and i was like okay I was rooting for you at first, but now this is getting very disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> that is what I thought. Which is, it, it's fascinating. Cause I wrote something down that, that Kim Ji Woon had said about the movie that I thought was really fascinating that goes straight into what you were just saying. You know, he, he said a couple of things. One of the things um, that he said was, uh, uh, I would say of Su Yun's path, Su Yun is the main character of the story, the young cop. Um, he would say, I would say of his path, uh, it's like being drowned or, or, or pulled down into a swamp or a rabbit hole that you can't get yourself out of. As the violence heightens, we see Su Yun become much more like the devil character. We see how he's becoming more and more evil. It, it, we see him becoming more and more evil in a way. And searching for a thematic core for this film, I came upon a passage from Nietzsche's Beyond Good and Evil. And I'm paraphrasing here. One who is hunting the monster must be careful not to become the monster himself. Yes. And I, I, that was, to me, a very interesting quote because it does go directly into what you're talking about. And he also says something else kind of interesting about the movie, in specific talking about the, the fact that they put the I in the title. Yes. Putting that I in that title makes it subjective because it's immediately you as an audience member acknowledging the darkness of the movie yes just by saying the title i mean it should have been named i saw two devils yeah <laughs> <laughs> not i saw the devil or we saw the devil or yeah <laughs> that too that too <laughs> um and so yeah i saw the devils <laughs> with an s that, he said something very interesting he said the title of the film can be taken in a few different ways there's the obvious serial killer and the devil we see in him the second devil we see is Su Yun, uh, where he has to become the devil to destroy the devil himself. And the third devil I'm hoping audiences will see is the devil inside one's own self. As an audience member, we see the vengeance carried out, and there's a small corner of ourselves that want this vengeance to be completed. That there's a moment that we want, and we sympathize, and somewhat identify with his actions. There's a devil we recognize within ourselves as we watch through a surrogate. And I think that kind of taps into exactly what you were just talking about, that there comes a point in the movie where it becomes very uncomfortable. Yes, because you're rooting for him in the beginning. Like, yeah. I thought it was, I was like, go get him. Yeah. Oh, tear his ass up. Go yeah. get him. <laughs> and I was so happy. And then, but the more and more I kept watching, I was like, okay, so when are you going to get him? Yeah. Because I'm like, this has now become more and more disturbing because you're now stooping down to his level. Matter of fact, you're becoming maybe even somewhat a little worse than he is because you would have him yeah. you could end him right there yeah but you would have him and then you would let him go again just so he can wreak more habit just so you can come after him again and after a while i'm like yeah this is not the way you should have done it yeah this is not the way you should have done it man yeah <laughs> and, and that was the thing that i found very interesting about it watching it with you i have never this is a movie that i there are not like a ton of people around me that are into these kinds of films or that yeah. I can recommend movies yeah. that are this intense. I mean, you made me watch that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. I mean, kind of. <laughs> this is a great excuse to get somebody to finally watch this movie with me. But, like, um, well, one of the things that, 
that I thought was really interesting is that watching it by myself, the it, which is how I've seen it every other time, I never really felt personally the moment where there's a turn in the movie. Mm -hmm. And the uh, uh, point at which, like, you know, they, they get to the cannibal house. Yes. Which is probably my favorite sequence of that yes. whole entire movie. Mm -hmm. Watching it with you and seeing it kind of through your eyes this time out and seeing it just through another person's eyes in general who is not having the same kind of response that I would have and have had to this movie, which is like, oh, wow. I mean, this well, is crazy. you told me when you first watched it, you kind of did. The first couple of times that I saw it, I definitely cringed through a lot of the <laughs> violence and was kind of like, oh, boy, this is... This is this is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this is vicious. But then, like, um, even then, though, I the the turn in the movie that happens after the Cannibal House, where after the Cannibal House, they end up taking the killer to a doctor, mm -hmm. getting him fixed up, and then still turning him loose again. They yeah. have him, mm -hmm. and it, it, by all rights, that should be the end of the story. Yeah. But he still decides to turn him loose one more time. Yeah. I never really personally had that feeling of like, oh man, this is this is still going, isn't it? Yeah. Until I was watching it with somebody else and I felt that energy in oh, the room really? of like, oh man, this is still going, isn't it? Really? <laughs> like, so what did you think about him going after him like as far as that like revenge that like hunger he had to just keep going but then he would let him go like what did you think about it when you first saw it so the the first couple of times i saw it like the the like that ending part to me was just so propulsive mm -hmm. that i was just kind of on the edge of my seat mm -hmm. i didn't really have that feeling because there was no other energy in the room with I me okay. i didn't really have that feeling of like Cool, we still got like another hour, don't we? <laughs> and that's that is what I realized is the brilliance of that film, mm -hmm. which is something that I never saw on my own because mm -hmm. watching it by myself, my audience is just me, mm -hmm. and me as an audience member is not reacting to any other energy. So other you didn't than see me. like that cat, cat and mouse chase. I saw the cat and mouse uh, completely. What I didn't have was that feeling of like, you know, there's something that happens in that movie right after the Cannibal House when he it cuts to the, the tunnel mm -hmm. and he's wake up in the tunnel and walking back out. Yeah. There was something I realized was that Kim Ji Woon did that was very, very intentional and very specific. That's brilliant that I totally missed when watching it by myself, which is, holy shit, we got another hour of this. Yes. And like, um, that was like one of those things that for me personally, I never felt that. Yes. Okay. Like okay. just watching on my own. Yeah. Watching on my own, I, when they we got to that part, I was kind of like, oh boy. Yeah. That was it. It, it ended right there. <laughs> yeah. There was no like, oh my God, we have another hour of this feeling. Yeah. And that makes it so much more intense. Yes. I mean, because when I started off, like, I started off like smiling like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I was hype. I was like his cheerleader. Yeah. But then the more and more it just kept happening. Yeah. I was like, okay. Because for, for anybody okay. who's listening who hasn't seen the film, who's going into it, this movie is two and a half hours long. Yeah. It's a long movie. And you and, feel it. And it, you do feel it. But what's so interesting to me is 
I don't really feel like you feel that first hour. Yeah. No, I, I didn't actually. And I didn't feel it until I started <laughs> getting kind of like the pit of my stomach kind of turning yeah. a little bit because it kept going. Yeah. And to me, it was um almost kind of like the opposite of like when we saw another movie that I felt like had a very similar kind of energy in the room, which was Titan. Oh, yes. But Titan was sort of opposite in mm -hmm. the the first like 40 minutes of that movie, I could feel the entire audience going like, come on, man, please. Do we yeah. really have to do this for the whole movie? I did too. And remember I yeah. was sitting right next to you and I was like, Oh, <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And then like the last kind of hour of that movie after that initial 40 minutes is just a freight train of emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, and you're not really, you're in a different place. Yeah. Emotionally with those characters. Yeah. The thing I thought was so smart about I Saw the Devil is that that first hour to like hour and 10 minutes mm -hmm. leading up to the cannibal house and the end of the cannibal house, leading up to when they're in the hospital with him mm -hmm. and the, the cannibal brother and sister, leading up to that point, I felt like that hour was to like hour and 10 minutes was essentially like just this never ending freight train of exciting revenge. Yeah. It was like, it was, I spit on your grave. It was like yes. this exciting revenge movie, which some people would disagree. That movie is an exciting revenge movie, but <laughs> I see this an exciting revenge movie. I guess a better re relation would be something like death wish. It yes. was essentially oh, death wish, yes. you know, and it was, you're watching Charles Bronson get the bad guys. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. The, kind of from the moment that you're in that tunnel with him and then in the hospital with him until the end of the film, you feel that hour, which mm -hmm. I've never felt before. Yeah. I never really like felt like, Oh boy. Yeah. We got a whole hour of this. Yeah. And not in a bad way. No. It's just that way that it's like, it, like you said, it's in the pit of your stomach yeah. and you're kind of like, Oh because, no. Yes, because I never <laughs> paid attention to the actual time. Like yeah. I wasn't like, keeping I wasn't babysitting my like watch or my yeah. clock or looking at the time going how long is this yeah. last thing I actually did not know yeah. that it lasted two and a half hours so you just actually said that <laughs> so that's funny that you say that yeah um but I felt it in the sense of once it kept going I was just like when is this over yeah like because it was so gory and harsh I was like when is it over it's like yeah. I'm just watching you play with your food I'm watching yeah. you like catch him and go <laughs> and then yeah. let him go again only just to catch him again and then let him go and I'm going at the end of the day what was the purpose of this because yeah. did you get what you came for yeah and as yeah. as you see in the end yeah maybe that not final <laughs> moment that is so gripping <laughs> yes. and so powerful where you know he 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 ties uh, uh, the the killer up into the craziest yes. contraption yes. where he has him holding on to a rope. He's got a, he's got a rope in his teeth. <laughs> that is attached to the door. Yep. And from the door, there's another rope that's attached to a guillotine. It's the same mm. guillotine that he used on the main character's fiance at the beginning of the yep. story to yep. cut her head off. Yep. And the guillotine is hanging over his head. And then his family, the killer's family, his young son, and his mom and dad show up to the house. Yeah. And when they open that door, it ignites that contraption. Yeah. So that if they had never opened the door, 
he would have just had to let go of the rope and would have cut his head yeah, off. Yeah, eventually. Because, and, I mean, how strong is your jaw? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who could lay hold on to that for hours. And so it's like, it, you have that, uh, like, if he lets go of the rope, it's going to cut his head off. And if he doesn't let go of the rope, the second they open the door, yeah. the guillotine's going to come down. It comes down, Suyun, the main character, is listening to this happen on his headphones. Yeah. And it's over, he pulls out his headphones, and rather than being like, ha, ah, yep. I did it, we just watch him for about two minutes. Yeah, break down. Just break down the middle of the street. Yeah, so there was no actual, like, relief. Nope. There was nothing there that actually made you think that that was worth it for him. Yeah. Even though he went through all that just to kill the killer of his fiance. You realize in the end that that did nothing. Like it, it gave him no satisfaction. It gave him. It didn't. It didn't like. How do you say? It didn't quiet his grief. Yeah. He ended up having to grieve all over again just after all of that was over. Yeah. And then you ask yourself, a good man that was once a cop and like lived by the law, now has broken the law just to find and kill the killer of his yep. fiance. Yeah. And it reminds me of that song. Do <laughs> you remember the song? It's by um, Everlast, What It's Like. It reminds yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what it's like? Yeah. I, I heard a rich man beg. I heard a, <laughs> you know, like that yeah. song, the way they um, tell you how that there's a good and bad side to every yeah. person. Like, yeah. you're not just one thing. Yeah. So it reminded me of that when I heard it. Like, when they say, I heard a rich man beg. Yeah. I, I seen a tough man cry. Yeah. I heard yeah. an honest man lie. Like yeah. when I seen that, that's what I saw. Yeah. For the main character at the very end. And I didn't Absolutely. even see it until the very main end, just because I realized like here was a cop that broke all the rules yeah. and the law. Yeah. Just to get revenge. Yeah. And he was supposed to be the one upholding the law. Yeah. Instead, he decided to be the one to break it. All the way down to the fact that he, at one point, even kidnaps the killer he in front kidnaps. of the other cops. cops. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know he had lost it. That was also one of the best scenes in the whole entire movie. Just the sheer intensity of the killer stepping out into the middle of the street, covered head to toe in blood. Yeah. Just, uh, like, looking as psychotic as you could ever yeah. imagine another human being looking. Yeah. Which is saying something considering the rest of that movie yeah and you know what's so weird i have to say this i know this is weird and funny to say but one of the things i thought was funny about the killer was he was talking all that smack yeah yeah but he couldn't even like man he was no competition compared to yeah the main uh yeah the main like character he was yeah. like no competition because you yeah. remember he kept saying oh let's see you remember he went yeah. in the store killed the guy in the store yeah and he was talking all that mess like uh let's see you get me now i'm just gonna get worse i'm just gonna do this and yeah. he was just talking all that mess yeah and at the end just so the man can kill like catch you and kill you anyway yeah. like you were no competition, homie. And the thing that I think was was so horrifying about it is that at the end, you see two different things happen with the killer Jang. You see who, who's brilliantly, brilliantly played uh, uh, by Choi Min Sing, yes. who is also the the main character in, in Old Boy. And that guy's a phenomenal actor. He was phenomenal in that. It was just ah, it was so gruesome. <laughs> it was so gruesome. <laughs> and like he. Uh, uh, 
I think the, the thing that was so amazing about his character is that he sees two different things happening simultaneously. On one level at the end, he doesn't want to die. It's his first moment of humanity in the whole entire film. Yeah. He's Even genuinely, though he was talking that mess, almost like, I don't care, I'm not scared, yeah. I don't want to die. Like, he kept, that's why I was like, no. And you see, like, these two different sides of him come out at the same time. You see the, the side of him that is the devil. Yeah. That acknowledges, by and large, that he's going to win. Yes. And that he knows that even after he dies, that Suyun still never gre- like actually got his grieving out. He's enough of a human to actually know that he won. Yeah. At the same time, though, you actually see him genuinely afraid to die. Yeah. And in the same position as his victims, with none of the grace that Su Young's girl oh, had yes. in the very beginning of the story where she was a soldier like seriously and, and it was like so amazing to me to see like that as a character she was so pure that it was almost like she was incapable of seeing the devil it was like she there was just such a purity to her that it was like just with all of that calmness or it could just be the fact that the mallet went upside her head like it, it three could times. Be that too. <laughs> I mean, he hit her like three times with the little mallet that he yeah. had in his hand. So yeah. I'm just like, oh, it could have been that. Also fascinating that the other movie, the other older movie we're going to talk about, uh, Them, uh-huh. also starts similarly <laughs> with people, somebody who is stuck in a car in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And gets assaulted. Yes. And that's that's the oh, opening view of our killers. That is so weird. I didn't see that relation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, so you have, like, that weird thing of, like, those two movies both definitely start with that idea of that random act of violence. Yes. And then these two new movies we're talking about definitely have demonic maternal yeah. characters. <laughs> so that is weird. Because yeah. we didn't that wasn't intentional, but somehow that's the movies we picked. It's like David Bowie said, there must be something in the air. <laughs> <laughs> um so I, I guess like kind of like wrapping up and, and moving into like those the kind of like the spaces of the movie that we really loved. Like yes. what what was like uh, uh, for you, like your favorite scene out of the movie, your favorite sequence out of the movie, and then kind of overall, how would you rate the the film? My favorite sequence of the movie was definitely in the beginning when he first come after the killer, yeah. like at his house, and he's like, "Oh, the police find me! Didn't know you would, you would do it so fast." What when he? Uh, you're talking about when he f- found him. Was that like his greenhouse or something? I know there's. You're a lot talking of... about when he found him at the greenhouse, yes, right? Like when he when, found where him he at the greenhouse, trying to rape the girl. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the student. Yeah. Because he had drove he, all he those drove girls this, from yeah. school. Yeah. That was my favorite part because I I love like the mar- martial arts in it. So yeah. that was actually my favorite part. Okay. Um, I would actually give this movie. I say a B plus. Okay. I would give it a B plus. Yeah. It won't get an A because of the gruesomeness the, of the it. Viciousness I just of can't. It? I can't do the blood. Yeah. It's too much blood. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for me, like my my favorite, it's more of a sequence. The whole sequence once we get to the cannibal house. Yeah. From the moment that Jang goes into the cannibal house and is sitting at the table with them, mm-hmm. which is very Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer esque mm-hmm. in its own way. Um, from the moment they sit down all the way to when Su Young gets into the house and they have 
this entire sequence that almost like foreshadows what we would eventually get with the raid. Yeah. You know, the raid is essentially like an hour and 40 minutes of that one sequence. Yeah, and I saw right. the devil in yeah. such a brilliant way. Cause I love yeah. the raid. Like in such a brilliant way, it was almost like an hour and 40 minutes of that one sequence. But that was definitely my favorite kind of moment in that movie. And, for me, I would give this movie like an A plus plus. Yes, I, I just, know. <laughs> you, you like this because I just loved it. But like, <laughs> yeah. So that's I saw the devil. Um, uh, just to like quickly go over like the the kind of like box office aspect yeah. of it. Um, it. It was roughly made on a six million dollar budget. I six million dollars is what I can find. Yeah. On it, I don't really oh, know. See, I thought you meant when you said I could find them like. Did you find that kind of money? No. Is that, <laughs> I that you just find? <laughs> we wouldn't be recording a podcast. I know, right? <laughs> you didn't share any with me, by the way. <laughs> we would not be recording a podcast right now if I found $6 million. I know. Um, and uh, at the U.S. box office, it made $12.6 million. So it, it was a successful movie. I'd be very curious to see if a movie like this came out today, if it would actually be able to make that kind of money. At the U.S. box office. And what do you think? You think it would do lower than that? I think it would. Mm -hmm. I, and specifically because of the, the graphic nature of the film. I We don't really... I guess the interesting thing is, is we don't really get movies like this anymore. Yeah. Even when you're looking at the contemporary horror movies that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. You know, movies like Smile and Barbarian. They have moments of being graphic. Yeah. But they're not really the same level of pure intensity. Yeah. And, and and kind of um, kind of sticking us in the middle of these this very kind of intense situation that is just not going to let you go. Yeah, it, it like you know it doesn't really feel like a lot of the, the movies that are getting made right now have uh, this kind of sense of wanting to hold an audience kind of almost underwater. Yeah, for a period of time, and this. This movie definitely does that. Oh, yeah. I couldn't breathe some moments. Yeah. <laughs> I was drowning. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what Kim, G, uh, uh, Kim was saying about the about his movie was that, you know, it is almost like you're, like, drowning in a swamp. Yeah. And that's very much what the movie is. Mm -hmm. And that that's, like, kind of the brilliance of it. And, like, I don't really know that a movie like this would make this kind of money. I also very interestingly think when you go back and you look at the critical appraisal of the movie at the time – as much as it did get a lot of positive critical reception, it also was, it was also a very divided movie. Yeah. Like even when he talked about the reception to the movie, you know, prior to this, he had made uh, a kind of like some, some, uh, a couple of very odd movies that did very well, but were still strange. He did a, a kind of a crazy Korean Western called the good, the bad and the weird. And then he did a, a kind of like a hitman crime movie called a bittersweet life mm -hmm. and so and weirdly he actually followed this up mm -hmm. with an arnold schwarzenegger johnny knoxville <laughs> action movie that was a very well-made bad movie i mean that is random, that is very <laughs> random it was called say. the last stand <laughs> that was his follow-up to this which was very odd but um you know e even he had said when the movie came out that he got people were alternately telling him either this was the best film of his career or the worst thing that he had ever made. Yeah. And one of the things I thought was very interesting was that, that I strongly vehemently disagree with was that a lot of people kind of liken this movie to like quote unquote torture porn. Okay. And I 
very strongly disagree with that because, like, you know, I think the first Saw movie had a lot of intention behind it. Mm -hmm. I think the first Hostel movie had a lot of intention behind it. Mm -hmm. But I think when you look at, like, the Saw franchise, Mm -hmm. I don't think that there was very much intention outside of these are just some sick-ass kills. I mean, do you consider that torture porn? Well, I understand where people use that argument for that franchise. Yeah. I... Personally, I don't. I consider them horror movies. I yeah. don't really, I don't really like the term torture porn in general because I think it's very reductive. I um, mean, yeah, me too. I mean, me not liking all the blood and gore, yeah. I still would never phrase it that, just because yeah. I never use that phrase for any movie. Yeah. But I definitely wouldn't use that for that, even though I did not like the blood and gore. Yeah, it's like that. That was one of the things that I found very interesting about it was that the the side of the the kind of critical reaction that was very negative toward the movie was very quick to just be like, this is torture porn. Yeah, but it was a great story. It, it, it really was, had a great story. It was a fantastic story, and, and it had one of the most emotional endings yeah. that I could ever imagine for a movie like this. Yeah, I felt his pain. It, it, it hurt. Yeah, it did. Like, it the whole... Yeah. Like, it, like, outside of just... Like, if you're not cringing at the violence, it's very hard not to cringe at that final moment, which yeah. still... When we rewatched it, like that was the one moment of the movie yeah. that really made me cry. And I felt was... so bad because I'm like, you did all of this for nothing. Yeah. Because you still have to feel all that loss. Yeah. In the end, so what was this for? Well, you said something really great when we were. I can't remember if it was when we were watching the movie or when we were talking about it a little bit after, where you 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 said that you were almost looking at him like, I know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like I, was I feel like, you. I know. I got you. I know. <laughs> I feel you, man. Because I really did. It was so sad. Yeah. It was when we were watching it. Actually, yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, I know. I know. Yeah. I couldn't even help but say because you just wanted to hug him. That's yeah. that's what you wanted to do. Even yeah. after all he did, you just yeah. wanted to hug him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I saw the devil. And um, highly recommend that if anybody has not seen the movie to definitely go and check it out. It's phenomenal. Yes. Good Halloween. Good, good. Good Halloween movie to watch. Uh, or a good Thanksgiving movie with the cannibals. <laughs> you know, just depending on... Oh, no. I can eat after that. I would not be able to eat after that. Oh, no. Oh, no. That image. Let it go. <laughs> All right, up next we got 2022's Barbarian. Uh, Synopsis is a young woman, played by Georgina Campbell, finds herself double-booked at an Airbnb with another young man, played by Bill Skarsgård, in a rundown Detroit neighborhood. After agreeing to stay the night with him, she discovers the darkness that resides within that home. So, Barbarian, directed by Zach Kreger. Okay. Uh, A member of the comedy troupe The Whitest Kids You Know, which is a, a... this is kind of an interesting turn for him, especially considering that uh, one of the co-stars of The Whitest Kids, you know, Trevor Moore, unfortunately passed away oh, yes. in 2021 from a very tragic accident. But um, uh, kind of incredible to see Kreger, uh working on this film and, and uh, having it met with the, the success that it's been met with, and I think deservedly so. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the movie? And, and uh, let's kind of start from the... the Kind of what we didn't really like and move into the, the stuff that we liked about it. Okay. What did I thought about? It was a very interesting film. Um, there were some parts where I was just like, there's no way I would have been that girl. There's just no way. <laughs> because when she came, when she first came to the house, do you remember when she was asking, you know, yeah. like, 
oh, did we double book this business? Yeah. And, and then she was like, no, I'm going to turn around, yeah. wait in my car until yeah. I can kind of get that call back from the person that double booked us. And he was yeah. like, no, 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 come in. It was so funny because I think we all had the assumption <laughs> that Bill Skarsgård's character was somehow going to be yeah. like the killer or villain or whatever yeah. of this story or the monster of this story. Yeah. And then we I think we all just assumed it because that was the psychology of this story to me was that he plays Bill Skarsgård there. Yeah. Because we know him as Pennywise. Yeah. And I think that's the first thing we start thinking is like, oh yeah. he's gonna get it. Like it, it was, and it was not that at all. It was very smart casting. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's very interesting because there are a couple of things about that I've heard Zach Kreger say about this movie that I thought, oh, okay, now this movie makes more sense to me in yes. a way. Which one of which was that he was when he was writing this movie, he was writing in his garage and was just kind of more writing out of boredom. Mm-hmm. He was kind of just coming up with something that was going to entertain himself. He wasn't really looking to write his first feature or anything like that. And it makes sense to me that when he was writing, he more than likely, he hasn't said this in anything that I've read or looked at, but he may have said it somewhere. It makes sense to me that when he was writing, it probably started as being that exact movie. Yeah. And it feels like that. And I think that's like one of the smartest things about it. The thing that I think was really interesting is that he said that another influence outside of an Austrian horror film that was really good from 1983 called Angst, that in uh, in English it was uh, called Fear, um... That movie, you definitely feel the influence on the Richard Brake sequence. Yes. And in particular, the way the Richard Brake sequence is shot, almost like you're hovering Mm -hmm. in the scene with the killer, Mm -hmm. which is very much how angst is filmed. But the other influence that he mentioned was Gavin DeBecker's 1998 book, The Gift of Fear, Survival Signals That Protect Us From Violence. And specifically, there's a section in there that encourages women to trust their intuition and not to ignore red flags given off by men in day-to-day interactions. I was just about, I mean, that's speaking my language, man. I was just about to say that. To me, there was too many red flags in the beginning that she swiped aside. And even when she was suspicious, let's just say, okay, we know now that that wasn't Bill Skarsgård's character, right? To be that. But there were still so many indications for her in the beginning to not step in that house, yeah. which was, that's what I mean by, I just wouldn't have been that person because yeah. she stepped in the house. It wasn't until after she stepped in there and he closed the door when she finally said, well, can you now give me proof that we were double booked, that yeah. you, you, you also were, um, booked for this, for this house. Yeah. Now at any moment he could have just knocked her over the head and that would have been done. Yeah. And I'm just saying, if he were to be that yeah. monster, like he could have just knocked her on the head and boom. Yeah. So I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have come in the house and let him close the door, yeah. and waited till then to ask him, "Can I see your proof of this residence?" Yeah. Like I just wouldn't have came in first. I, I yeah, I agree, and I think one of the smartest things about it is the language that Bill Skarsgård uses. First of all, I think Bill Skarsgård was perfect casting because he's scary hot. Right? Like yeah, oh, he's, yes. he's, he's very attractive. He's a very attractive dude, but in like the scariest, him, <laughs> you know, it's like, especially I guess because, you know, my 
my relation of him is not so much Pennywise as it is Hemlock Grove. Oh, yes. Mine is, too. I mean, that's one of the first things I remember. It, I think that is the first thing that I saw him, him in. I think yeah, when him you were Grove. watching that and yes. I saw some of it with you, I was like, why does that guy look like his brother, Alexander? Yeah. I was, And you were like, because that's his brother, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I thought that was very smart casting because we expect him to be the killer because of Pennywise mm-hmm. and his relationship with horror at this point. Yeah. He's a guy that doesn't like horror movies, but is in a bunch of them. <laughs> and it seems like he's about to make his career on them more mm-hmm. or less right now. And it, I, I just thought it was smart because the language that he uses also mm-hmm. is, and the way that he talks to her is the way that you would as a guy today talk to a girl when you're just like, I know the situation is weird. Yeah. You know, and he very quickly realizes oh, all yeah. of his own red flags. He's like, I know you didn't drink the tea because you didn't see me make it. Yeah. I, I, so I waited for you to he open this bottle of wine. He called out all the He called out all of his own red flags. Yeah. And to us as an audience member, those are even more red flags. Yeah. And then when she starts saying like, oh yeah, I'm interviewing for this documentary filmmaker. She's making this movie about you know, uh, uh, art collectives or whatever. And he was like, has she made anything I've seen? And she mentions that jazz documentary. He's like, oh, I saw that. Mm-hmm. You're just like, okay, so you've been following her. You've been tracking her. Yeah, almost you know, like he's too good to be true. Yeah, he is. And then he's like, oh, I'm one of those art dudes. You should interview <laughs> me. And you're just like, no. Yeah. This is, this is fucking weird. No, this isn't yeah, real. You're like, <laughs> no. There's no way this is real. Yeah. It was really, really smart casting to bring us to that point where all of a sudden they're, in the basement, mm-hmm. and when his head gets cracked open, I was like, "This is what is this movie?" Yeah, and that was one of the smartest decisions yeah. that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to talk about this movie too <laughs> without talking about that cut. Yeah, which is maybe like the most like kind of you know '90s filmmaking thing that I've seen in a long time, mm-hmm. where it's like it just smash cut to. Justin Long singing down the PCH. <laughs> you're like, what? What movie are we watching? It has three moments of hard resets. Yeah. In that film, that bring us into it's essentially divided into four acts. Yeah. Which was really surprising to me that it was so structurally. So he's a very good writer, mm-hmm. and it was very surprising to me that he was so structurally sound with that. Yeah. That you have three hard resets. The first, the, you know, the first movie is the movie where Bill Skarsgård is going to cut her up mm-hmm. and put her in, layer her body in the walls of the Airbnb mm-hmm. and wait for the next girl to show up. Mm-hmm. And that movie doesn't happen. Yeah. The next movie is a, a comedy about a rapist, <laughs> yeah. which is one of the weirdest, most confusing things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like it's Justin Long again smartly cast where he plays against type yeah because we bring all of our love of justin long yep and he doesn't seem like the type you're kind of like did he do it like it makes you question if he actually did or not until (laughs) until the the bar yeah until he goes to the bar and he talks to the guy he's like look i mean and and i was like oh no and if i'm not mistaken i think the guy he's talking to is the director Oh, I need to double check on that, but I'm pretty sure that the guy he's talking to is actually Zach Greger, which is like a funny little cameo. Yeah. But, um, you know, it it was 
like you have that movie and but like the thing that i loved about it is that he brings his justin long energy mm-hmm. into it and it's hilarious watching him you know like find the the torture den mm-hmm. and immediately just go this is more square footage yeah i can sell the house for more <laughs> He finds dog cages yep. that were very obviously people had been inside of them. And it was just like, what the fuck? Ignored okay. this room that had a camera in it. <laughs> Ignored the room with the bloody handprint, hand, yep. the bucket, and the camera. camera. All signs that when Georgina Campbell looked at it, she was like, oh no. She, yep. she just noped yep. really hard out yeah, of that house. But that's the thing. Because when you talk about red flags, let's go back to that moment in... She knew she had all the signs were there. She was even like, no, but she kept changing her mind. Yeah. That was the tragedy of the whole thing with her character is that every time she knew not to, she was like, nope, she recognized it. She sensed it. She backed away. But then she would change her mind and move forward. And then that's when I was like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. When something is that obvious, like, because it was screaming at her, like, no. And when something's that obvious, I'm I'm, I'm out of there. I'm not going to even question it. I'm just gone. I'm gone. And it was was really smart to... He would have been... You remember when she went down in the basement for Bill Skarsgård, but... At that moment, I would be like, I will call the cops from yeah. outside in my car yeah. for you to make sure you, I can't go back in there after you. What I'm going to do? Yeah. You're a bigger guy than I am. So if somebody can take you down, they're definitely going to take me down. And it also, it makes it equally interesting that later in the movie, when she does finally confront the cops, it it's a very, very subtle, mm-hmm. it, 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 like, you know, kind of view of racism. Mm-hmm. She's haggard. Mm-hmm. She's black, mm-hmm. and she's talking like a crazy person about this sex torture dungeon that exists underground mm-hmm. beneath this house. And the cops immediately look at her and are like, "You're a meth head." Yeah, we're in the middle of Detroit. Yeah, nothing that you're saying is real. You're the one that committed a crime here, not anybody. Yeah, else. not only that, but I have to wonder too if some of that part came from the fact that. They're like, okay, if something's really going on, why are you in this neighborhood anyway? Yeah. Because you already know that's a bad neighborhood. So yeah. the first thing that would be going off in my head as a police officer is like, so how did you get here? Why are you here anyway? Yeah, yeah. So so you kind of wonder if people invite in their own yeah. thing in that way. Because you, you could tell they looked at her kind of like, eh, like well, why are you here anyway? That's what was this fascinating. This is a bad neighborhood. Was, you shouldn't even be here. That's what was fascinating is when they find her looking like that. She is now a red flag for them. Yeah, because who else would be in that neighborhood exactly. other than That's a vagrant? What I mean. They were just like, "Why are you here? If that was really real, why are you here? Anybody yeah. knows not to be in this part of town. Why are you here?" Yeah, and and that was to me a very very smart kind of move in terms of the writing. It also, and then you have a third hard reset with Richard mm-hmm. Brake. Mm-hmm. It also, I just want to mention, bothers me how many people I've heard talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. Mention that hard reset with him, but don't know who he is. I know. How can people not know who he I, is? It, it bothers me to no end that people yeah. don't know who Richard Brake is. Richard Brake is a, he's part of Rob Zombie's stock cast. Yeah. And so he was in uh, Halloween 2. He has a small bit in that. Um, he was in 31, he was in Three from Hell, mm-hmm. and now he's actually plays two roles in the Munsters movie. Okay. 
And outside of that, he was also the Night King. Yeah, in, in, in Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. All the way up to, for some reason, they recast him in the last season, which I don't understand why. Yeah. He was also the guy that killed Bruce Wayne's parents mm-hmm. in Batman Begins. I know. And he was uh, in Peaky Blinders yeah. as one of the, the yep. Russian villains. Yep. This guy has had a tremendous career as a character actor. He's one of the best actors that we have yeah. working today. Truly and underrated, man. When he shows up in this movie, people are like, and then there's this old guy. I'm like, fuck you. That, he's not he's some really old guy. He's Richard Brake. That <laughs> 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 just that bothers me to no end. Yeah. But like, you have this third hard reset with him where we see him and you hear over the, the radio that Reagan has just been elected Mm-hmm. And so you you kind of get a sense of the time that you're in. Yes. You get a sense that uh, when he's talking to his neighbors, that this is when Detroit is starting to kind of collapse in the yeah. background. And he's like, you know, I'm not leaving this house ever. We see later that he truly, truly never did. He meant it. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he, barreled, he buried himself underground. Underground. So that he could yep. stay at that house. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I it, we watch him target women. Yeah. And we watch how easy it was yeah. for him to do it. Yeah. And you know what's so so crazy? That one thing that I just saw, and I'm pretty sure, you know, you would notice too, is that he never hid things that much to me. He looked no. suspicious, but no one questioned anything. He literally walks up to his neighbor who calls him by his name yeah. and he's wearing a jumpsuit that says Carlos. Yep. <laughs> And the guy ignores it and just That's talks about I mean. like, hey man, me and Peggy, he we're, we're leaving. It's so obvious, but for some reason, no one questioned this. No one questioned it. And like, it was one of, and, and what we eventually realize it, it, when they get into the, the basement and this gigantic woman, again, a callback into what we were talking about with Smile, yep. that there is this thing in the air with people having a, uh, very large maternal yes, hovering, antagonists. Yeah, kind of maternal presence. Who who are maybe, in this case, she's really not the bad guy. No. You know, no, she's no. presented as the You're bad right. guy. You're right. But what we discover is that it's really, it's uh, almost in tandem also with another movie we saw this year, Men. Oh, yes. And the, it's really, you know, the, the evil is really men. Yeah. You know, and it's it, Richard Brake has been raping these women. Eventually those women had kids. Mm-hmm. He started raping the kids and mm-hmm. the kids got pregnant mm-hmm. and then he raped those kids. And so this mother character is the byproduct of years of his own disgusting incest. Yep. And that, that one was probably the only one that lived and made it through everything. Yeah. But also there was a ignorance and lack of knowledge there. So was she yeah. truly the monster? Because and, and she just, she, you know what? She wanted she, a child. She wanted a child. It was just mother instinct, yeah. like mother nature kicking in. She yeah. just wanted a, a child. And, you know, when we when we first meet that character, we're confronted with just kind of gross out horror. Yeah. Where she's trying to breastfeed Justin Long. Yeah. And, you know, or, or succeeds in breastfeeding <laughs> Justin Long, really. <laughs> but she's trying to make him drink out of the most disgusting baby bottle I've yes. ever seen in my life. Yes. Then we have to watch Georgina Campbell, like, chug that shit. Yep. And it was horrible. Oh, but see, she knew what was up. She did. She, she knew what was up. And it, it, it's, you know, you, sometimes you gotta do something. You gotta do some things to survive. She yeah. knew what was up. <laughs> and it's crazy because when Justin Long, he calls the real estate office and says, like, I see everybody shit here. Like, what's... 
Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. people are obviously here to have squatters and they're like, nobody's been there for two weeks. And that's when you realize she, that's how long she's been down there. Yeah, but it was also sad because that also made me wonder. This is my low point of the movie. Yeah, see, okay, this, so this that's what I was going this, to. This is one of my few big problems is with that, this movie. Was that a hole in the story? Because <laughs> I'm like, how did they book two people on accident, but you never confirmed Anybody if they checked even, out? That anybody checked out. But yeah. there was two people, not one, two people that booked. Yeah, and I'm just kind of like, wait, hold on. How does this one work? Because I was like, it, it felt like that moment is put in there as a plot contrivance. Mm-hmm. Like, to give us that, A, he's going to walk in there and see mm-hmm. their stuff. Mm-hmm. And know that they're, that somebody was there. Yeah. And, B, it gives us the link as to how long she's been down there. Yeah. But, like, this real estate office is so bad yeah. that they never That's why I said either they were just people reckless. never checking out yeah. of their Airbnb. Like, either they were just reckless or they just, I don't know, or they were, like, that's what I was asking. I was like, either they're, they're just truly reckless yeah, or they're a part of this. Because yeah. how else do you explain how they miss it's, two people checking out of that house? Yeah, how did like, they miss it? and... Yeah, that was just one of those things that really, really bothered me. I was kind of like, and then like they apparently never called them back. They apparently never went to check and make sure everything yeah. was okay. And number one, let's let's talk about the number one issue. Yeah, this was the number one red flag. Yeah, ever before she walked in that house. Yeah, was outside of the home. Yeah, when you look. Yeah, when it's raining and there's no yeah. street lights except for in front of that house. Yes, from that house. And then the next morning, after she's in the house, and she'll yep. come out and she looks at the rest of the neighborhood and she sees the really nicely done home. To me, that's yeah. that's that's like that's like go, 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 yeah. go, go, stay yep. away. Because who in the world sees this beautiful home? Yeah. Renovated yeah. home in the middle of trash. Yeah. Yeah. Is that not a sore thumb? Yeah. Like, that is a sore thumb. Like, yeah. no, dude, there is something wrong yeah. with this one little beautiful house in, in the center of all these, this tore up, dilapidated, like, neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? And that's where you decided to stay? Yeah. I'm talking about you came back and you were going to stay. Like, you came back. Yeah, it was, it was very kind of, like... Okay, like it was very horror movie logic ish. Yeah, you know, and it also I think it's very funny that um, Detroit is apparently a great place to shoot a horror movie. Yeah, because Don't Breathe looks like oh, that was shot in the exact same, same neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah, and, and it's almost a similar thing too, where it's sort of like nobody else is going to be in this neighborhood except for this one blind guy who's yep. dragging dead people down the street. Yep, in the His middle of the day. This house is the only one that's like decently, and you're just like. Yeah. Doesn't that and look weird? Yeah. Why are you here? That's a sore thumb. And then also uh, the the other one that had a very similar thing, though it wasn't a straight horror movie, but um, uh, also Only Lovers Left Alive, Jim oh. Jarmusch's film, which yes. takes place in a very similar dilapidated like Detroit neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but like th- those were that that was my big low point of the movie. Outside of you know like my other low point in the movie was a weird one because this movie. I like it more the more that I think about it. Yeah. And I'd like to see it again now. Mm-hmm. We've only seen it the one time. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to see it again now because the first time that I saw it, I walked out of it and I was like, I don't really know what to think about that. Yeah. Those, I admired the hard resets. The first hard reset with Justin Long, I was just into. Yeah. Because I've heard a lot of people kind of react a little bit negatively to the 
and call out that their one problem with the movie was the measuring of the house. That's my favorite part of the whole entire yeah. movie. Because I But was, that just tells you how aloof he is. It tells you how aloof he is, and then I thought it was amazing that he as an actor brought that energy where I was laughing yeah. at the fact that, you know, it's almost a comedic performance, but this guy is a rapist. Yeah. He is a terrible yep. human being that yeah. I should not really be in mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form like aligned with in any way, and yet I'm laughing hysterically yeah. at his performance. Because also you see where his priorities lie. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah. you're going through all this stuff. Yeah. And you're measuring yeah. your house just to see how much... <laughs> money you can get out of this extra space that you've discovered yeah so it's hilarious to me it's absolutely funny it is and but like the the thing was is like after that third hard reset with richard break when we go back to the house again and now also okay we're in the home stretch of the movie Mm -hmm. we're with georgina campbell who is brilliant in this movie and she was one of my high points of the movie that i the only other thing i've really noticed her in was uh, my favorite episode of Black Mirror mm-hmm. that we saw with her and Joe Cole yes. uh, hang the DJ. Yes, which, which I, was one of my favorite um, Black Mirror episodes. That's definitely my favorite episode. The, the only episode that does not end on a, like, you know, run a hot bath and open a vein kind of level yeah. sadness. Yeah, you're right. Um, it, it's like the, she was unbelievable in this movie and I really hope that we get to see her and more stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. I hope this opens some doors for her because she was unbelievable. Yeah, she's awesome. But um, uh, I, I, I was just kind of like when we get to that third point we're in the home stretch of the movie mm-hmm. that was sort of like during the watching of the movie I, I kind of was like a little not with the pace of it. Oh. I, okay. I, I wasn't invested in the movie at that point, there was something about okay. the movie. It just kind of threw me and I didn't really respond to it very well. Okay. The more I've thought about it as time has gone on and we've been prepping for this and I've been writing about it and stuff. All of a sudden I was like, yeah, this actually was a really smart movie. Yeah. Yeah. A very, very smart movie yeah. and incredible that he pulled this movie off again, a, a directorial debut from mm-hmm. a, a young filmmaker only had $4 million to make this movie. Yeah. And it feels because of the expansiveness of the story, not really what we get visually. Yeah. The expansiveness of the story, it feels like he was the one that had $17 million. Yes. And like Parker Finn was the one that had $4 million. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing to see that level of craftsmanship yeah. with this movie. So I, I, I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. And, but what did you find, what you felt like what the pace was? Like what was that issue? I, I just like, uh, when, when we came back to them and it was, her getting out of the house, going to the cops, they go to the homeless guy, and and then, you know, she gets shot by Justin Long, and then we're, you know, in that whole kind of thing of, like, Mm -hmm. them trying to get out, them Mm -hmm. trying to get away. It just, it it ramps up in such a way where I was, it was very zany, very kind of, like, monster Mm movie-ish, like, kind of, like, movie of the week monster movie, like, pumpkin head kind of monster movie-ish. And it it threw me off. It was really kind of, like, and, and... I realize now that was totally the point of it. Yeah. And then and to me, the ending summed up everything so perfectly. It did. Especially. Because it, it did this like opposition, like these opposing forces. Like think yeah. about it because he was the guy that said like, 
you know, I, I want to just try to be the best person I can. I want to try to do. And then he throws her. He pushes he her off. He throws her off of the water tower. To save tower. himself. Yeah. It's so that just tells you how, like, real, and then you remember when he's downstairs and he meets Richard Brake's character. Yeah. And he sees all the takes with the women. He was like, you disgusting, you this, this, yeah, and this. But and then it's when him. He, it's he's him. talking about himself. There's a mirror image of yeah. you. If this is how you would be. Yeah. Once you go into hiding after all you've been through. Look, this is how you're going to look, homie. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what was the funny thing. But I'm like, you're just... Yeah. You're talking to yourself. He, he was looking at himself in a mirror, and at one point, he even acknowledges it to the degree where yeah. he says, "Am I a bad person?" And he was like, "I'm just." And he says something or, about, or, I'm, or yeah. did I just make a mistake? Just do bad. <laughs> did I just make bad decisions and do bad things? Yeah. But then you really know he answers his own question yeah. by actually throwing, her, pushing her off of he, the he little tower. Her. He, he throws, he her. grabs her, and slides her off just of the water to save tower, himself. and literally tells her. Hey, look. I, I, I had to do it, I right? Had to do you know it. I had to do it. <laughs> and what's so sad is she risked her own life yeah. to get the cops and go back for him. Yep. But then he throws her off the tower. So he was yeah. not willing to sacrifice the same thing she was for him. Yeah. That's how you knew the good versus the bad. Like, yeah. And that's, to me, that was amazing. I love that part. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did too, and I, I, I really liked that aspect of it, and I, I loved um, the the uh, the other thing that when we saw it in the theater, I didn't really like it, but the more I thought about it, the more I really loved it, was the, the aspect of her uh, essentially sparing Mother Yeah. at the end, where Mother is has jumped off of the water tower to protect her, yep. broken her fall, yep. then gets up and... and there are two kills in the movie that I feel like are like the sickest horror movie kills of the year. <laughs> the first was the homeless man getting beaten to death with his own arm. Yeah. Which was just yeah. <laughs> on one level hilarious and on another level just like so grotesque and out there. <laughs> and then the other one was, um, which I felt was just like that triumphant, you know, going back to I Saw the Devil, like, you know, like jeering something on yeah which was her picking up justin long and like yes. popping his eyes out and crushing his yeah, skull because that's when you realize truly like even if you thought the worst of that monster before yeah. she got out the house that moment that moment you realize she was just only trying to protect what she thought was hers yeah yeah so what, that's what she thought was her child and it was yeah. a good thing that um, Georgina's character like actually placated to the monster, right? Yeah. Because if she hadn't, she would have been just as dead as the guys. Yeah. So because she placated, that built a relationship with the mother that yep. then led to her protection at the end. So yeah. I thought that was so amazing. I did too. And I, I like like I said, I think it was kind of sitting down kind of writing about the movie in, in preparation for this and maybe just go like, this was a really good movie. Yeah, it was good. It, it, was, it, was, it, it was had a lot really, to say. It had a lot to say. I thought it said it beautifully. Yes. And he's a really good writer. Yeah, like uh, Zach Kreger. He he's a very very good writer, and he had he said in an interview that he has a another uh, kind of horror movie and a, a kind of like a film noir okay. that he also kind of wrote that he's trying to get made. And I, I hope he gets them made because yeah. I think that he he's a yeah unbelievable me too. I'm talent. excited to see what he does next. Yeah, like and I, I I'm just I'm very excited to see. Um, I like it when I see these guys who kind of veer out of. Because I, mean, I guess the guy that we all looked at who also worked with Justin Long, who did this kind of hard veer in a new direction with going from comedy to horror was Kevin Smith. Yes. And of course, people were in and out about Red State. I personally liked Red State. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a cool movie. 
I think that's more because I love Michael Parks and I really love Tusk. Yeah. And I, he was another guy who kind of made that hard veer out of yeah. comedy. I wish he kind of would have stayed, even though I've heard good things about Clerks 3. Yeah. I wish he kind of would have stayed in that direction of yeah. horror for a little bit longer because I would have loved him. I mean, see I've what always been a big fan of Clerks, though. Yeah. I yeah. kind of grew up on that. I, so. I've heard that Clerks 3 is just very emotional. So yeah. that's what I'm excited <laughs> to see. But like. The uh, final one. <laughs> well, here I don't we know. go again. <laughs> again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I don't know. So, uh, uh, in terms of favorite, just to kind of wrap this one up, like in terms of a favorite sequence or scene of the Mm -hmm. movie and and how would you rate this one? My favorite sequence of the movie was definitely the end. The the whole ending. The whole ending. Yeah. Because I love So, where do you start the ending at? Is it from when they get with the homeless guy or? Yes. I say them from the moment that they both get out of the house. Okay. Yeah. And, and you don't know if the mother is dead because you remember the girl was in the car and she cr- like crushes her against the house. Yeah. From that moment on was my favorite part. Okay. So that was my, those were my favorite scenes. And I would give this, I would, I would give this movie an A. Okay. I really liked it. Okay. It was great. I, I, uh, for me, favorite sequence, uh, it, it's the whole Justin Long first hard <laughs> reset from the moment that we see him in the car singing all the way to when he ends up having to breastfeed. Yeah. That's my favorite <laughs> sequence of the movie. That was just incredible to me. Yeah. And I, I would, I, I, as much as I want to give it an A, I feel like I need to see it again before I can. So I'm going to give it a B plus, but okay. like I, I, in my head it is an A, but I want to see it again just to yeah. confirm everything that I feel about it. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely need to revisit it. Yeah. Um, movie night movie night yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm down um, in terms of like box office and everything it's made on a 4 million dollar budget like we mentioned earlier and uh, it hit upwards of 41.5 million at the box office did really good it mm-hmm. had a, a lower than usual drop off rate I read which yeah. is really really good yeah. it kind of I feel like horror movies this year have really made a strong case for the theatrical experience still well, being yeah, alive because it, it has to make up for us getting nothing but su- superhero movies. Yeah. Let's just say it. Okay. I, I agree. <laughs> it has I to agree. make up, it has to close that gap. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I agree. And I, I think it's really cool to see this genre getting the theatrical love that it is right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I, I think that if, I think that there's also a good case to be made that the reason that smile is maybe making a little bit more money is because, it is more of a strict horror experience yes. in the kind of jump scare aspect. Mm-hmm. And the switch mm-hmm. in Barbarian is so intense yeah. that I could see a lot of audience members really not responding to the point where they would say, like, we got to see this again. Yeah. You know, wanting to take other people. And I think yeah. that's where Smile is really doing well. Got it. It's because I think people are seeing it and then that word of mouth is happening. Yeah. To get people back into the theater. And then Smile has already become a meme. Yeah. There's not really that much you can really meme about Barbarian. You know, you can't really yeah. just like, you know, I mean, it, because you have to talk about the twist yeah. in order to talk about this movie at all. Yeah. So like you, you really can't talk about it without talking about the whole experience. Yeah. Whereas like Smile, I mean, there are tons of pictures right now all over the internet of people like just standing in random places with that stupid, smile. crazy smile on their <laughs> face and 
it's just becoming this huge like meme thing right yeah. now on Twitter. So like I could, I could, I see why this one didn't really do as well, but I think this one's gonna live on a lot longer. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. So like yeah. That's I think true. there's a you know. Sometimes there's just different meanings and it depends on which one you kind of stick to the most. Yeah. And I really grabbed onto Barbarian the most. I did too. Like out of these two, yeah. that's definitely the same with me. Yeah. So that's Barbarian. Uh, up next we got Them from 2006, the French horror film. Yes. All right. Our last movie that we have out of these four is Them, or Ilse, as it was called, uh, from 2006. The synopsis is a young couple staying in a house in the Romanian countryside are viciously attacked over the course of one night. Um, this was this has become the one that I have been the most excited to talk about. Really? And, it's so funny. Uh, originally, it was I Saw the Devil. Uh-huh. As I said earlier, that was the one that I, I was... I walked into this the most excited to talk about, but it's actually become this one because this is the only one that we watched that actually bothered me <laughs> as we were watching it after we finished watching it. This is the only one that I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I didn't really like that one. Was it from experience? Is that why? Is there some real I mean, like, yeah, it's like we had a, a, a yeah. robbery situation in which somebody was in our closet mm-hmm. at one point, so that makes home invasion movies even scarier to yeah. me. But also the older that I've gotten, home invasion movies are the only ones that still scare me. Yeah. I think that there's nothing more terrifying than the randomness of somebody just being in your home, just being in the place that you call home. Yep. Your safe haven. That is the scariest thing that a movie can do to me now. Yes. Like in, in my opinion, uh, interestingly, this movie was, was directed by, uh, one of the, uh, th- there were like a few different like duos that came out. This is part considered largely part of like the uh, kind of French extremist mm-hmm. movement, which was a very specific thing that happened in the kind of early aughts where you had a few movies that came out. Um, them was kind of on the front end of it. Then you had a high tension mm-hmm. Uh, movie that we have seen way too many times. Yeah, we've seen it. So <laughs> <laughs> um, always a good Halloween watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the, you had Frontiers. You had a uh, my f- kind of favorite out of them, which was a movie called All Interior. It was released in uh, America as Inside. Uh, you had Martyrs that came out a little bit, kind of toward the end of it. Yeah, with, uh, directed by Pascal Laurier. Uh, Laurier. Uh, you also had um, Xavier Gens's Frontiers. Yes. It's some really, really strong, oh, yes. powerful, at times gory as hell mm-hmm. horror movies that really kind of took a different approach that was closer to 70s American horror cinema yes. than what American movie horror movies were doing at that time. Because you know, simultaneously, those in America, we had, uh, you know, kind of like the final destinations and all that. Mm-hmm. And then we were starting to have movies like Hostel... Mm-hmm. and Saw, and um, in particular, Neil Marshall's The Descent, even though it's technically a British movie, yeah. and we kind of more or less adopted that one. Yeah. Uh, you started having movies like that, you had kind of like the splat pack, so mm-hmm. to speak, that came out. Rob Zombie was part of that with House of a Thousand Corpses and mm-hmm. uh, The Devil's Rejects. These guys, uh, David Moreau and, and uh, Xavier Palou, like they, they were 
I probably butchered their names, but like they were a tremendous French duo that actually only did two movies. You had a couple of other French duos because you had Alexandre uh, Aja and uh, Gregory Levasseur who did High Tension together. Mm-hmm. And then you had Alexandre Bustillo and Julien Marie who did Inside together. Okay. So I don't really know where that thing is within French horror cinema. Why it was the collaboration? Yeah, the, that kind of duo. Mm-hmm. There were I I think it was from some of the interviews I've seen with Julien Marie and Alexandre Bustillo and also Alexandre Ja and uh, uh, Gregory Levasseur. It seems like a lot of these French guys they kind of they found that one other kid in yeah. school. Yeah who liked those movies mm-hmm. and they kind of latched onto each other mm-hmm. and were like, we're going to do that. Yeah. And they started making these really small, you know, Alexander Ja and Gregory Levasseur were the only guys who kind of did it on like a little bit of a bigger scale because mm-hmm. Alexander Ja his background, his dad is a relatively notable French filmmaker and he had connections with Luc Besson Mm-hmm who helped get High Tension made. Okay. And it was actually Luc Besson who made the end of High Tension as good as it was. Because yeah. Luc Besson was the one that saw it and said, you can't just end it with this reveal. you got to show something crazy. So that yeah. last 20 minutes of High Tension only exists because Luc Besson saw the movie and was like, you got to go further. Yeah. you got to take it all the way. We can't just end it with, oh yeah, and by the way, she's crazy. Yeah. And... The ending of that movie is the thing that doesn't work plot-wise about it, but it's brilliant. It's, <laughs> it's tremendous. Like, when she is chasing her friend around with a concrete saw yeah. and all of that stuff, that stuff is amazing to watch. It makes no sense. Yeah. It makes the rest of the movie, like, you're just kind of like, I don't... You, I remember when I showed that movie to my friend Nick, and he made this comment that, you know, in High Tension, there's a scene where the guy is... is getting the, the BJ from the severed head. Yeah. And he was like, that doesn't make any sense. So it's like, no, you see her masturbating later. Yeah. It, it actually is in tandem. It's a different timeline, mm-hmm. but it actually is still in tandem. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really interesting that these guys all clung together. Yeah. To make these really intense, really wild movies that were completely outside of the norm of French cinema all at the same time. Yeah. And they all kind of piggybacked on each other's success yeah. in a really positive way. These guys only did one other movie together, though, which was the remake of uh, the Pang Brothers, The Eye, mm-hmm. starring Jessica Alba. Oh. That's the only other movie they did together and they split apart. Okay. I, I couldn't find any information as to why. I don't... I also admittedly did not look too deeply yeah. to figure out why. But they, they were the only ones that... They did these two movies together and they split apart. Got you. Okay. Uh, Alexandre Bustillo and Julien Marie are still working together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gregory Levasseur started his own directing career, mm-hmm. uh, but he still is, you know, in tandem with Alexandre Ja. I don't really know what happened here, but these guys with this movie, I thought this one was like, I saw it before when it came out, but this is of the French extremist movies, the one that I've seen the least. Yeah. I think mostly because of the lack of gore. Yeah. And at the time when that's these... why I think I love it the most. <laughs> yeah. Like it gets all its yeah. points across, it does. and yeah. it's really scary without yeah. having to have a lot of gore. And I think that the thing was is when these movies were coming out, I was at that age where that was what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I was looking for like that extreme mm-hmm. gore. I was looking for all of the. Mm-hmm. I was looking for the stuff that would be front cover of Fangoria. Yeah, and 
those other movies filled that and them is much more of a, I viewed it at that time as much more of a thriller and much less of a horror experience. Yeah. Rewatching it the other night, I was like, this is a, a terrifying movie. And I think one of the reasons I, I also thought that we brought this up when we were watching it is that the DVD looks so crappy. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> but there was something about when they were like submerged mm-hmm. in darkness mm-hmm. and watching it in a dark room, mm-hmm. and it was like this movie's scary. Yeah, this, this is scary. this is a really scary, yeah, frightening film. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. I mean, it it wasn't that long because it got straight it's to the 71 point. Seventy one minutes. Yeah, it's straight to the point. Yeah. That's what I love about it. I'm like, it's just straight to the point. Two of these films, this one and Inside, mm-hmm. are tiny movies lengthwise. They're, they're 70 minutes. Yeah. And they're so effective. Oh, they're so effective. Like the, and this one was was one of the... I, I, I like... This was another one where it's like my, my only real thing to talk about in terms of like a low point of the movie, if we're starting at like a low point, was the dude... Um, uh, uh, I believe I, I wrote his name down. Uh, uh, Lucas, who's mm-hmm. played by uh, Nicole Cohen. He, he was so noisy <laughs> once he got injured, and he's just running. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, "What are you doing, buddy? Like, yeah. you gotta. I know that you just got hurt. You gotta be quiet, man. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, that'll be a little more stuff than that. Yeah. Moment. Other than that, I didn't have really any neither anything that i didn't love about this movie it gave me everything that i needed yeah from like a horror film for me mm-hmm. it's because like i said the lack of gore and stuff like that was perfect for me yeah and it kept me on my toes because you wanted to see them like get out alive yeah and and let's talk about these kids man the the reveal like where where did you come from yeah where were you born and i just be like where are your parents yeah the, the reveal of the movie for anybody that's going to watch it after they listen to this, or I've also noticed it's kind of a hard movie to find right now. Oh, is it? Um, we're, I, I couldn't really find it streaming, but maybe it is somewhere at this point. Like it's probably, it might be show up on like Tubi or something oh, okay. at some point, but it's actually kind of a, a hard movie to find right now. The reveal of this movie is that the people who are tormenting them, that we at first... Are, are, we have two glimpses of what is tormenting the people before the reveal. Yeah. The first is that they're in the very beginning of the movie. There is a car. There, there is a mom and her daughter mm-hmm. driving down the road, and the the daughter is being a a little teenage ass yeah. white. <laughs> and, and they're driving in the car. And she's being just uh, uh, just totally difficult on her mom, and they something runs into the road. What was uh, uh, like? There's something in the road that yeah. caused them to veer off of the road. And crash. They yeah. smash into a telephone pole, but it's not like a crash that would kill you. It's just like a, you know, oh boy, we're in trouble kind yeah. of crash. They get it. the mom gets out of the car. She tells the daughter to get the engine going, and then the mom just stops talking. Yeah, she disappears. <laughs> daughter gets out of the car. She's not there. Very similar to I Saw the Devil. Yeah. She gets back in the car, but kind of worse than I Saw the Devil in some ways. She gets back in the car, and when she got out, somebody took the keys 
out of the car while she got out of That's it. what I mean. I'm like, how did you not hear anything? It, That's remember I told you. I was yeah. like, how did the kids it, it, get in the car? Lucas could have <laughs> taken some notes from these kids and their stealthiness. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because these kids were like masters of silence. Yeah. They uh uh she gets back in the car and they're just next to some woods. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, as she's trying to keep the car doors locked, they're outside. We don't see who's doing this. It's just happening. Mm-hmm. They're outside hitting the the fob on the car, making mm-hmm. the doors unlock and lock and messing mm-hmm. with this little girl. And then they end up getting her. Yeah. Later in the movie, we meet this couple who are the exact opposite of the couple from Smile. Yeah. They are a beautiful couple that are like two very attractive people Mm -hmm. that are totally in love Mm -hmm. have great chemistry with Mm -hmm. one another you know you have that that wonderful little detail that he can't keep himself awake (laughs) she can't get to sleep like it's like one of those wonderful little like just tiny little quirks quirks and details about a couple and you have you meet the two of them and then something starts happening in the house yeah there's strange noises the power gets cut out her car moves at one point she's like how did my car move and you don't really you still don't really it could just be a supernatural entity for all you know yeah and then you see the first outline of one of people you realize there's people in the house and then at a certain point it gets revealed it's not just people in the house it's little kids yeah that are tormenting them Mm mm-hmm and that was one of those frightening reveals. Just for a blood sport on top of that. Yeah, just for blood fun. Sport. It was, it's a blood sport. Yeah. Like. And it, it, it was one of the most frightening reveals. Yeah. And I think it, one of those things that, uh, you know, people have made comments about this movie that it, that uh, the director, writer-director Brian Bertino kind of ripped this movie off for The Strangers. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think that that's true at all. I He has said that he didn't see the movie until well after the strangers, but also knowing a little bit about the strangers' history, he wrote that script well before okay. this movie. Okay, he had actually been writing for a while trying to get a movie made, but um, I think it was something very similar to what we're seeing right now with movies like Smile and Barbarian, mm-hmm. where there was just kind of something in the air. Was I think it was a lot of people who were really inspired by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. who realized that there's only one thing scarier than going to the horror. And that's the horror coming to you. Yeah, because that means that it it has balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You didn't yeah. have to go seek it. It has balls. It's coming to you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I dare you. Yeah. And and I think that the, the they what happened was both the strangers and them used the same trick, mm-hmm. which is this was inspired by a true story. Yeah. And that's, I was like, is this a Coen Brothers type method? It, like, and it's the same thing in Texas Chainsaw, right? <laughs> it... it Gives you this whole long, you know, kind of like prologue about how it was a true story. Yeah. And it was all made up. Yeah. You know, just like the Coen Brothers of Fargo. Yeah. It's all made up. It's loosely based on Ed Gein. I think you had found some information about like a story this was loosely based yeah. on. Yeah. They said it happened in like Austria or something mm-hmm. like that. It was based on a couple who came up missing. Yeah in Austria or something like that. And they yeah. just kind of took the story and I guess ran with it. But they said none of the stuff could be proved. So it yeah. was like there was no proof for it. Yeah. And the, this movie, 
very wisely in a very chilling little epilogue ends with them saying that they caught the kids that did this in yeah. real life and that uh, the kids were all between the ages of 10 and 15 yeah. and that when they asked them why they did this they said because they wouldn't play with us yeah and it, it was which just, is really chilling because it, if you think about it chilling. I think one of the scariest things that you could come across are like children that are capable of these things. And the reason why... We're merciless kids. Yeah, because think about it. Let me compare this to (laughs) (laughs) vampires. Do you know how... You remember the kind of the lore of vampires that if you get them really young when they're children because they can't evolve from there, they're just straight brutal and ruthless. All they know how to do is their basic instinct, which is to just kill and eat. They just know how to feed because that's all they know. Yeah. Right? So it reminds me of that. Like kids that are capable of like killing or just like that it's like they yeah. know nothing else yeah they're capable of nothing else this yeah. is what they know yeah yeah and it, it's it, that's a that's a very frightening kind of like like idea that they really hit on i think that they hit on it so well yeah and it's such a just terrifying kind of thing especially there's there's that moment when uh 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 Olivia Bonamy's character, Clementine, when she's running, she's trying to get away from the kids. And she starts, uh, uh, what was it? It's like the, she, they're in the tunnels. That's what it was. Yes. They get into the tunnels and, you know, she's, her and Lucas have finally been reunited. Mm-hmm. They're climbing up the thing and the, the little kid shows up and is like, oh no, follow me, follow me. And you think that this one little kid might actually be the one that, Helps them. <laughs> Helps them. They get halfway up these stairs. She gets all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. The little kid and the guy get halfway up, and the kid turns around and starts stamping on his fingers mm-hmm. and breaks his fingers, and he hits the ground. Yep. And the little kid keeps coming up and going like, no, 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 please, please don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Yeah. And she gets scared because it's a little kid. She doesn't want to hurt him. Yeah. And then he just turns around and goes, she's up here. Yep. And the older kids keep running after it. And it's just so frightening yep. that, like, this kid understands that he looks innocent yep. and can prey on that aspect of yep. adults. Because he knows that, like, adults see him yep. as, like, something vulnerable. So yep. it's just like, no, like, I'm a child. Don't hurt me. Yeah. But I just saw you smash the fingers yeah. of this man and made him fall. You know what? I would have kicked that kid in the jaw. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, but I would have. <laughs> His face would have been smashed with my yeah. foot, like yeah. literally. You would have dropped the boulder the on his I head. Him do that, yeah. yeah, she had. Because at yeah. this point, like all bets are off, <laughs> and this is about my survival. Okay, so yeah, you're getting smashed, yeah, in the face yeah. with my foot, yeah. Because she was above him, and he was a. You remember, and the kid was yep. above her yep. husband. Yeah. No, I was above you. So guess what? I just saw you do that to him. Let me let me replay that. Yeah, and that that was like one of those things that. That was so just intense and frightening to see. And also, like, yeah, I brought up earlier, but, like, the use of darkness in that movie. Yeah. It was really interesting because we just watched Don't Breathe. Yeah. Or you watched them kind of side by side, more or less, because you hadn't seen it before. Yeah. And that's another movie that plays a lot with darkness. Mm -hmm. Watching that next to them, I was kind of like, this movie does not know how to play with darkness. No. Like, with them, they literally, when they walk into a dark area, there are no lights. Yeah. There's literally no lights. Yeah. There's no lighting. They didn't set, They just walked a camera into a dark room, and it is terrifying. Yeah, it's very terrifying. And 
you know, in Don't Breathe, there's there's Hollywood lighting. Mm-hmm. So there's always a silhouette. <laughs> there's always, yeah. you know, there's... So it's like Hollywood's version of darkness, which is not really... You know, it's like that wonderful thing you see in these old movies where it's like a well-lit stage and a guy is just walking with like a lighter yeah. and is like trying to see his way through. He's like, uh, 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 yeah. like tripping and you're kind of like, why are you... Dude, like I can see... <laughs> I see, like, where the ladder is behind know, you. Like, it's called acting. <laughs> it is. And, you know, you're supposed to suspend disbelief. But, like, <laughs> this movie, like, doesn't play with that. Yeah. This movie literally goes, no, like, if you're going into a dark room, you're really in a dark room. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And you're stuck. And, and it's terrible. Yeah. And that movie plays on our fears from, like, childhood. Because yeah. everyone at some point in their childhood was afraid of the dark. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like they, they tapped on something very well too, where it's like, as a kid, you're afraid of the dark at a certain point you get over it. And then as an adult, you, you wake up in the middle of the night and now you're afraid again (laughs) and and you hear something in the other room and you're looking out your doorway and the house is dark. Yeah. And it's freaky. Yeah. It's really creepy. Mm -hmm. And they played on that so well that it's sort of like, okay, this is, to me, that is a a movie that's truly playing on your trauma as well. Because yeah. think about it. There are so many things when you're a kid that felt like it got you in the dark. Like yeah. you're older now, right? So you came out fine. You're yeah. okay. Yeah. But it still felt like things happened. Yeah. So then when you have to revisit it as an adult, it's just like, it's playing on those childhood fears again. And I'm just yeah. like, okay, I'm in the dark. I feel like a child again. Like I'm in the dark. I'm yeah. helpless. Yeah. I can't do anything. Yep. And it is, I think that one of the things that made it even kind of creepier and kind of weirder watching it was that kind of crappy DVD mm-hmm. quality. It's kind of pixelated. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. It looked like watching old camcorder footage. Yeah, it did. So it, it and it's like, you know, there's, it's very interesting because I wonder how I would feel rewatching a movie. If I don't really think I'd feel that much different, but if I were to watch on like a beautiful Blu-ray, uh-huh. it's like perfectly remastered. Yeah. I wonder if I would feel any different. I don't really think I would because I it's so. so it's just so well made, made yeah. and so well done. The acting in that movie is so phenomenal. Like you rarely in horror get the level of acting that you've got in French horror. Yeah. Like across the board. Yeah. You rarely get that level. There was something about with French horror, the acting that they got in there was just astounding it it was kind of like danny houston showing up as the (laughs) evil vampire in 30 days a night you're kind of like i don't understand why this level of actor is here but i'm I'm with it like i'm I'm here for it but like (laughs) we're like ben foster showing up in that movie and giving an oscar performance yeah like a supporting actor performance in the middle of that movie and you're kind of like i'm here for it and i love it but like i'm not used to this in a horror movie yeah that's how I felt about a lot of the French stuff was because it, not only is it beautifully shot mm-hmm. and beautifully made, even something like this where it's like, you know, they're they're intentionally putting you in low-lit situations. It intentionally yeah. looks a little off, a little janky. Yeah. It, and what makes it so creepy, I think, even more today than when it came out is that it looks like footage you would capture on your phone Yeah. of something horrible happening. Yep. It's kind of like when you see these awful videos of something happening to somebody that come out. Yeah. You know, they're all shot in, there's no, whatever lighting is around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because nobody's going setting up lights to capture some horrible event that hits the news. Yeah. 
you know, it's shot with whatever street lights are around and everything. And this mirrors that in a yeah. really terrifying way. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrifying and That's horrible. So I said, it just brings all your trauma to the surface. <laughs> it like does. Like, okay, I'm back afraid of the dark again. It does. It's it's really, really, really frightening. Yeah. I, I Okay, so like, this one's not really as long because it's like, it's almost kind of mirrors like the shortness of the movie. It's very to the point. It's like, yeah. no, this is just a phenomenal movie. Yeah, it's just great. But uh, if you picking like a favorite, if you have a favorite scene or sequence, and then like, how would you like rate this one? I think my favorite sequence was when she was in the attic, if you could call it that, because that it felt like a whole just yeah totally new part or add on to the home. But I think it was the attic. Yeah. So when she I, climbs up and yeah, she's when she climbs up, up into yeah. the attic, yeah, and there's the and she tarp and the paper everywhere. Off of the balcony. Yes, and she yeah. throws. That was actually my favorite part. Yeah. And how I like, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure I already know how you're going to write this one. But Oh, yeah, A. Yeah. I give it an A. Plus, plus, plus. Yeah. I really like this one. This one was weird because when I was trying to figure out like a favorite scene or sequence, I was kind of like, does the whole movie count? Or like, I don't really, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, because really the, the movie is very interesting in the sense that the way it's divided up is that you have the first sequence. Mm-hmm which introduces us to the horror of these kids. Yeah. You have the the introduction of the couple, mm-hmm. which is kind of more just sort of cursory, mm-hmm. getting to know you for 10 minutes kind of stuff that mm-hmm. is somehow better acted than most average movies that yeah. you see on, you know, any platform today. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that couple just kind of showed up and we're just like, no, like we're here to, yeah, really give performances. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. And then you have the rest of the movie, which is essentially an extended night sequence mm-hmm. of them being attacked. Yeah. And in most movies, the kind of, you know, like that portion of the movie would be a 10 minute mm-hmm. sequence that would lead you to like the next day or something. Mm-hmm. Instead, this movie is just like, no, this is just an extended. Yeah. But that was also like a, cat and mouse kind of game as well yeah if you think about it because because those the, kids are playing with yeah, their food the, too the, yeah they were playing <laughs> with their food like they could have been caught her they could have been killed her yeah but they let her get all the way to the tunnel part where she can like see that it's now light outside it's yeah. no longer dark and there are cars going by yeah but they can't see her or hear her and now she's dead Yep. So they play with their food too. It was like yeah. a, definitely a cat, cat and mouse chase. I think, like, yeah, you mentioned that that would probably have to be my favorite piece of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's not really a scene, it's not really a sequence, but her getting to the end of the tunnel, which I guess is just the ending of the mm-hmm. movie, her getting to the end of that tunnel, screaming out, it's now daylight outside. Yep. Cars are driving past, yep. going to work. But you can't see her here. And nobody sees or hears her on the highway because mm-hmm. it's the highway. Mm hmm. And then a car goes by, she's gone, and then you just see the kids getting on the bus to go home. Yeah. And they just had a great night. Yeah. And that's the, it's almost like, you know, in any other movie, that's kids getting on the bus after a party. Yeah. Where they all, like, discovered themselves and, like, had, like, these, you know, it's almost like the end of, like, a teen movie or a coming-of-age film. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, they're all, like, you know, skipping on the bus. You finally see what's making the sound. Yeah. They have that little party. 
Yeah. See, I don't know what you call those things. The I don't know what you call those either. Yeah, the, 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 like the little clanking thing. The little like, spinners that you yeah. have at parties. You see the kid walking with one of those. Yeah. And you figure out what's been making like this weird noise throughout the whole entire movie. Yeah. And then they just get on the bus and leave. Yeah, that's a party favor. It is a party favor. <laughs> After their horrible That's party. That's a party favor because you used to put those in bags when you were you like, did, yeah. you had birthday parties growing up. Yeah. And those are party favorites. <laughs> <so> fucked up. <laughs> so, but like, if I had to pick a favorite bit, I guess it would be that just because that was so haunting and it's, and nothing happens. Yeah. You know, maybe like there's no, there's no intense sequence of someone getting their head bashed in or anything like that. No. It's literally a woman screaming. Mm-hmm. Then silence, yeah, or traffic noise, really, mm-hmm. and then kids getting on a bus, yeah, and it was th- that was one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen, yeah. like, and it's just just straight pure imagery. I loved it, and that that was great. So that was this yeah. has been the one that I've been the most excited for. Yeah, and, I agree. A plus 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 for this one. This <laughs> is great, and like, hopefully there is a more like a better kind of way to see this movie soon so that like oh, yeah. a lot of people can see it because I yeah. feel like this one definitely deserves reevaluation. Exactly. Like all these years later because man, this one was just great. It was. <laughs> it was very fun and entertaining. Yeah. And good. straight to the point. A very, very good horror movie. And so those are those are our four horror films yeah. that we wanted to cover. Yeah. Any any check, 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 check. <laughs> any final thoughts? Um, just go watch it. Check them out if yeah. you guys want to know what we're talking about, and if you have your own kind of take on those things. And then you, if you have seen it, yeah, just yeah, I, open I, discussion. I know that right <laughs> now, as of when we're recording this, I saw the devil is on Hulu. Uh, I know Barbarian and Smile are gonna be really easy to find soon. All right, it's throwback recommendation time. So the kind of general overview of this section with our episodes is that uh, our throwback recommendation is one of us will pick a film that the other one does not know. Or we could possibly know it. Or we possibly know it, but we don't know that the other person is going to say this specific movie when we actually sit down. So the choice is a secret. So choice is a secret (laughs) from whoever's pick it is. And this first one is my pick. Mm -hmm. Um, The only rule for our throwback rec is that it has to be pre-1980. Yeah. Uh, Which I know no movies from then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the pick that I have this time, just falling in line with horror movies, uh, is... Kaneda Shendo's 1968 Kurneko. Uh, it's a Japanese ghost story. It's kind of a, a little bit less on like the like kind of traditionally scary side, even for Japanese horror, and a, a little bit more kind of like a, a really gorgeous Japanese tragedy. And it's beautifully photographed in black and white. Um, I was very, very fortunate to get to see, I've seen this movie a bunch of times, but, and it's on the Criterion Collection. I believe it's on the Criterion channel right now streaming. Um, 
but it's just a movie I've seen a lot throughout the years and then got to recently go to the Plaza Theater here in Atlanta mm-hmm. and see it on 35mm, which was a really, really cool experience. Yeah. And so this was just a movie that I saw that I was like, this is a great horror movie and a great kind of, um, if you're wanting to take a detour into uh, Japanese cinema and in particular Japanese horror cinema and the history of it, this is a great movie to kind of dive into. So what kind of scare is it? It is more of a get-under-your-skin kind of slow-burn psychological kind of thing. I think that people who really like movies like Hereditary or, you know, I'm trying to think of some contemporary kind of Mm slow-burn horror movies um, that are not Japanese. Because, like, when we think about a lot of the Japanese horror today, we automatically go to, like, The Ring Yes. And, or... Grudge. The Grudge. Yeah. Yeah, That's kind of what we go to. This is not that. This is, like, a very gorgeous, very slow, but not slow in a bad way, just slow in the sense that it takes its time carefully unfolding itself. Okay. It's, It's a movie that I don't really want to describe too much of the plot for anybody who hasn't seen it, because the way that the plot unfolds is very, very beautiful. But I will say that it has a lot to do with a black cat. A black cat. Okay. We all know what that (laughs) that means. Okay. (laughs) Um, But it's a really beautiful movie. Um, A surprisingly sexy movie for when it came out. Okay. Um, And it's, it's just kind of, completely unlike uh most i think the the only other japanese horror movie i've seen that kind of approximated is another one that's also on the criterion channel i think it's also on hbo max is a movie called quite on which is another very very beautiful very kind of like slow burn japanese horror film that sort of it takes you inside and then it keeps you there and it doesn't really let you out yeah and it it kind of becomes a um, an emotionally claustrophobic experience. Yeah, and the stories are usually pretty amazing. Yeah. The few that I've seen. So yeah. I'm excited for this one. I think, um, you know, on the level of, like, you know, horror, if you like kind of slow burn horror films, and, you know, I think specifically about movies like Hereditary or House of the Devil or The Innkeepers, if you like kind of slow burn horror movies like that, and or even um, one that we saw recently, The Night House. Oh, yeah. Which uh-huh. was a really good movie, actually. Uh-huh. Surprisingly good. Um, if you like that, but then if you also like uh, kind of more traditional Japanese cinema from the 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, anything between Godzilla and Rashomon, mm-hmm. you're going to probably like this. Okay, because okay. I like Rashomon. So, okay. And imagine, like, the, um, the sequence in Rashomon where the woman comes in and kind of delivers a side of the story, like, you know, almost as like a vessel. Yeah. Imagine that for an hour and 30 minutes. Okay. And that's kind of current echo in a nutshell in a very weird way. I mean, it still doesn't really approximate it in the way that I would say, but because it's such a different kind of experience as a movie. Okay. This is exciting. Yeah. I'm ready to, to watch this one, to check it out. So we'll, um, Get a chance to watch it, and then on the next episode, we'll kind of follow up and see Mm -hmm. what you thought and 
then I guess on the next one's going to be your pick for yeah. a throwback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, so yeah, so that is the movie uh, that I would recommend for if you're looking for a pre-1980 throwback horror movie, go and check out Current Echo and uh, enjoy. Yeah. All right, so those are our four horror films that we had to cover. Um, Brittany, any final thoughts? No, I'll just recommend that everyone go and see them. I mean, old and new. Yep. You can always put on a movie at home and cuddle up next to somebody just yeah. in case you're scared. Yeah, you know? or you know, if you prefer to be one of those people that is completely alone and just <laughs> turns out all of the lights and just wants to just sounded weird. scare yourself. That sounded weird. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's some kind of weird comfort in that sometimes. You know? I don't know if I would recommend anyone sit alone in the dark and, and watching horror films. You're just going to scare yourself. Man. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that, maybe there's something weirdly uh, comforting about it to some people. I don't know. You know, some, <laughs> I don't sometimes, you know, you're just you're alone. You just like light one candle. You turn out like every light and just black out the room and oh, just watch goodness. a really scary movie. You okay. Know? Now you're creating a whole horror movie <laughs> of your own with that one. So I don't know. <laughs> it helps you live inside. No, of the film. I don't want to live inside of it. <laughs> I barely like to experience it half the time, so I don't want to look excited. <laughs> I think um, the one thing I will say is that I'm, I'm really, really excited that for this year, even though we, we didn't really cover all of the horror films that came out this year, there no. were some others that came out this year that have, uh, some of which I've seen, some of which I haven't, that have also gotten really good review um, or just had, you know, really, really positive reception. Yeah. And that, that's been really cool this year that, you know, in a year where, you know, the, the movie that this was just a really cool year for movies in general, because, you know, it felt like a year filled to the brim with throwbacks yeah. because, you know, one of the big movies that we all talked about this year was Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> and a little nostalgia there. <laughs> a, a little nostalgia, but also like really cool because it was one of it, it was really nice to see a movie that did not involve uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson in tights beating people up in slow motion. Or... Oh, which is also <laughs> a cool little side story. Sure. About Top Gun Maverick. Uh huh. So you know, the CEO of where I work, mm -hmm. he was actually in the very top uh, first Top Gun. Okay, you 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 have to go more into this. I'm just. <laughs> I, it's, it's so awesome. Like, I got to sit down next to him and talk to him and stuff like that around the time that I was being hired at the current job that I had. But wait, at. what did he do on the first Top Gun movie? He was one of the um, villain fighter, like, pilot. Oh, yeah. okay. The, the, the he was the Russians one. who the were Rus not Russian. Yes, who were not Russian. <laughs> he was actually, he stood in for one of those and he actually got to fly the real, because he could actually... Fly. He's in the Navy. I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise hated every single second of seeing him really get to fly one of those planes. <laughs> and it was planes. funny, too, because they actually asked him back for the second one, but he just had other things going on. And okay. So, yeah, he actually just he was like, no, I'm not going to be in this one. But it was really cool. So my boss was in Top Gun. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Uh, 
she missed out on a really big payday for this new one. <laughs> I don't think really you care about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, that, that's, that is really, really cool. It's always cool whenever you can find anybody who's like linked to some of those classic projects. Yeah. And it was really cool this year seeing that movie and seeing that, you know, it was, it was a movie that just kind of went back to the old, an older formula of really, really well-made blockbuster. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's a movie that definitely has its problems, but it was enjoyable and it was yeah. a lot of fun to see on the big screen. You mm -hmm. ended up seeing it. Uh, as we were flying out to California. Yes. and I saw it on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, Val Kilmer showing back up was yeah, an amazing was awesome. little touch. And yes. Almost a cheat, but it was still great. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, like, um, but it was cool that, like, you know, after years back-to-back -back of being kind of dominated by superhero movies mm -hmm. to have this year that was just kind of a throwback to a lot of other stuff and it seems like it's still going because the Julie Roberts, George Clooney uh, rom-com Ticket to Paradise just came out, mm -hmm. which we haven't really seen a movie like that come out in a big way in a while. Yeah. And then we just had all these great horror movies this year. I mean, it's nice to get a little break from all the superhero movies. It's, it's nice to see something different and kind of engulf yourself in, in that world. Exactly. So. And, and, you know, like, full disclosure for everybody's listening, like, I don't hate superhero movies. No, I, no I, we don't hate them. I like a lot of them. I think the last one I liked, like, loved in earnest was probably Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> which was a long <laughs> which time was ago. A while Man, back, there's so many that has come out since <laughs> I think that, but I think that was the last one that, like, I just loved. But there are other ones that I liked yeah. a lot. Because sometimes and, you just need a little bit of, of a break. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that superhero fatigue is just very, yes, very real. It's real right now. It's real up in here. <laughs> <laughs> and so, getting to see something a little bit different has been nice. Yes, and um, it was you know, I mean, uh, outside of the movies that we covered, there was also X and Pearl that both came out this mm -hmm. year from Ty West. Two movies that are linked together. Um, uh, Pearl being a prequel to X. There is also a movie that just dropped on Shudder called um, uh, Speak No Evil that mm -hmm. has gotten nothing but just kind of resoundingly uh, a great review. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just been a lot of really, really cool stuff. There's also one that's getting the Herschel Gordon Lewis treatment this year uh, called Terrifier 2. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen, you would not like Terrifier okay. at all. You would hate oh, this movie. Oh, is it terrible? It, is it, it too much blood and gore? It is like just these most disgusting kills. Okay, yeah, it, no. It is, it is, I'm not, I'm disinterested now. It is like, it is. <laughs> I'm no longer interested. I don't want to see it. It is a gore hounds fantasy and that's about it. Okay, it, yeah, It's no. not a. Not for me. These are not good films, <laughs> like in any kind of traditional sense. These are movies that placate to the hardcore horror audience oh, okay no i can't do it the wild thing about terrifier 2 terrifier 1 is kind of a uh, it was a regional film that the director made on a shoestring budget and then he started a kickstarter campaign mm -hmm. for the or a gofundme something like that for the sequel and ended up raising like i think it was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. okay he ended up raising a lot of you know still a very tiny budget yeah but still a lot of money to raise for a crowdfunded movie. Yeah. And 
he made this movie that's now getting these reviews coming out where people are saying like, oh, people are, are throwing up and going into cardiac arrest oh, during no. the movie. See, no. And, it, you know, no. it's like the old Herschel Gordon-Lewis stuff where you used to hear about people like, oh, this movie's going to make you sick, man, yeah. like kind of thing. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I um, I will likely check it out at some point because I saw the first one and like it you know, is, Without me. Yeah, no, yeah. this will be a solo. Yes. This will be uh, me alone in a room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, uh, there's just been a lot of really, really good stuff this year with horror. And yeah. hopefully, you know, outside of just horror, hopefully next year we'll also have a lot of good stuff. There's also a lot of good stuff coming up off of the festival circuit of movies like uh, Tar with mm-hmm. uh, Kate Blanchett that's coming up, uh, which is Todd Field's first movie since uh, one of the movies that we've actually seen a lot together, Little Children. Oh, yeah. And so this is his follow-up after, what, like 15 years? Mm -hmm. And so that's... more than that, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, So that's really exciting. But that also leads us into a little tease into our next episode, uh, because Todd Field is one of the main characters in... The movie that we're talking about next, which is Twister. I know. So, oh, okay. I was like, should we do a drum, drum roll? Yeah. <laughs> or is that going to mess up the feet? Yeah. Like... <laughs> um, so next up, we're on the next one. We're going to be talking about Twister. Yeah. And uh, an experience we had recently with it. We won't go too much into it, but we'll talk about Twister and the journey that we went on yes. over the course of a couple of months, maybe it was like a month. A month, yeah. Trying to find another movie from that same era that captured us the same, same way, way that yeah. Twister did when we were watching it the day that we watched it. So um hope everybody will tune in for that. That's going to be just its own kind of insanity talking about not just that movie, but a lot of movies around it some of which fit into a similar category and some of which are just of the same yeah they were just random yeah they were random and they just you know it's kind of more of just a a throwback into what we were just talking about with top gun into Mm -hmm. just kind of nostalgia yeah and just our own trip down nostalgia lane yeah memory (laughs) (laughs) and uh, uh with a lot of um uh, us being from Atlanta, a lot of TBS movies. Yeah. And that was kind of what yeah, we, up, who yeah. we wound up going through. <laughs> <laughs> but um, thank you to everybody who tuned in with us and hope you guys will come back for the next one. And uh, yeah. We're out. We're out. I'm Scott. <laughs> and I'm Brittany. And thank you for tuning in to the Film Cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs>